What president are we on? We just Carter. got that one. Well, maybe we're done. Yeah, so this is what Carter did. He put on a sweater. He said, cool it, guys. Put on a sweater. Yeah. And people said, go yeah, fuck yourself. Yeah, I rank uh, the Iranian hostages. Yeah, that was the, what, how long was that? How many days was that? Isn't that a specific? I have no idea. It was a it bunch was like of days. 400, I don't know. What it, a lot of days. Whatever it was, I was told like pretty much day one or two into Reagan. They fucking, they were like, no more. No, so Reagan got to take credit for the, Carter more than anything wanted to free the hostages before he left office. And he actually did that. He was up all night for several nights. He was haggard. There's a great story about the day of inaugur- Reagan's inauguration that Carter went to um, get him. They, that's the, the, the tradition is the sitting president goes and collects yeah. the new president and takes him, escorts him. So the story was that he went to uh, Reagan's hotel room where he was staying and, ho- and him and Nancy were... Um, Reagan was putting on his tie and Nancy was getting dressed and it was like fuck smell in the room. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I remember reading this somewhere. Which you have to. The Carter, yeah, the Carter was like, they, wow, they fuck. They're like in it. Stinks like, like sex yeah, in here. Yeah, these two they fucking, fucked. these freaks. Yeah. They just, they power he came hung. He all over her. Horny from the power, yes. he just assumed. He gave her another pearl necklace. Yes. And uh, so that was the thing he was Wasn't there a thing coming out with Nancy was good at giving head? I don't know what that was. Nancy Reagan. Really look into it. <laughs> uh, Frank Sinatra says that he a very important secret to singing is that you eat an apple and you wait an hour and then you throw it up because it creates a gravel in your throat. It gives you texture. He learned this from Nancy Reagan. It's only one way that a woman would learn this trick is because she's fucking bulimic. One day she ate an apple. She threw up and then she's like, I sound great. <laughs> so the next time she worked with Sinatra, she's like, you know, you should do Frank. Yeah. And she spread it as like a, a trick of the trade. That was Nancy Reagan. She probably did it with cum too. I don't know. Yeah, no I think she did it with cum. These people are all dead, so it's fine. Yeah. But so Nancy and Ron, this was, Jimmy had this, Jimmy Carter had this in his unsleeping, had this little observation that Reagan was grumpy on the inauguration. He didn't feel like doing it. And that, they had just fucked. And then they all got in the limo together. And Jimmy got the news that the hostages were being freed. But Reagan got to mm. announce it. So Ronald Reagan is... Yeah, it's funny. I get all these legends from my Republican family. Mm-hmm. So like, I'll tell you what. Those, that pussy Carter couldn't get it done. Day one of Reagan. Those that's fucking, right. Well, that's, those Muslims knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't course. fuck with a Republican. That's yeah, right. That's, so Reagan, and I heard this, my, my legend, so who knows which one's real. Uh, but Reagan was a uh, fascinating president, two terms. Um, there was... Uh, oh, I got one. Did Nixon, did Nixon start the war on drugs? I think it was Nixon. I know Reagan, no, Na- Reagan was huge on it. Yes, he would, Nancy Reagan said, just say no, yeah, but, which was hated because people were addicted to drugs. Yeah. Uh, also, AIDS started with Reagan, and Reagan. I mean, he's he was the first age. He fucked the monkey. He fucked Bonzo. He fucked the monkey. Bon, yeah, there's a bunch of movies about him, <laughs> him, and, him a and a monkey. Yeah, he fucked Bonzo. Monkey. Bedtime for Bonzo. He fucked Bonzo. That's where Bonzo. Bedtime got, for Bonzo he goes, comes he's, from. Nancy, I think I got AIDS from. So Reagan, uh, <laughs> he was. Uh, there's a piece of footage of Reagan. There's a documentary about Huckleberry Finn, and it's about how it gets banned. And then rebought, refound, and banned throughout history. Huckleberry Finn has been banned by liberals who don't like the N word, 
and then um, conservatives who don't like whatever they have. The problem. It just keeps going back and forth. <laughs> yeah. um, and Mark Twain, to some quote where Mark Twain said, uh, I knew when I created Huck, he'd get in trouble his whole damn life. Like his, he knew that this was going to happen. Okay, so there's a character in the in Huckleberry Finn. I'm gonna say his name. His name. Wow, wow. That was his name. Now, now this won't be on YouTube. It'll yep. just get. It'll just get. Yes. Yes. So, um, there's a there's footage of Reagan, um, uh, doing some tribute to Mark Twain, and like uh, whatever he's doing, he's opening a, a center or something, and he says, uh, he goes, and and who could forget. The wonderful no. stories of Huckleberry Finn and his friend uh, uh, Jim, <laughs> and you can see him look off, and you know that there's guys going. Do we talk about this? Like, there's don't say that's it. Don't say that's Mr. President. But that's it. I mean, I read the books. That's his name, fellas. You can't say it. Oh well, geez. I mean, that makes no sense. It's in the goddamn book. And so that you can yeah, see like, it. Don't say that and word. And his friend, uh, nah, Jim, yeah. fuck this country. God damn it. Yeah, don't say that. But then go ahead and do yeah. the war on drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. say that word. Yeah. But so Reagan, uh, <laughs> Reagan was, um, you know, his whole, cra he was uh, um, uh, president of SAG. And then he was uh, um, governor of California. Um, hated hippies. Just yeah. fucking hated them so much. I gotta be honest. I, I I think I would have too. I think I probably would have hated. I, I mean, George I Harrison hated. hated hippies. Yeah. George Harris. George Harrison. There's an interview with him where he went to hate Ashbury. He was like, I heard they're all, and he was like, they were just disgusting drug addicts. <laughs> so yes, hippies are gross. They always were. Um, so Reagan. Ray, I mean, there's so much about Reagan. For fuck's sake, he two terms, and um, George Bush was his vice president. Cold War. Cold War. You know, Mr. Gorbachev, take down this wall. Yes. And um, he called uh, the Gipper. Soviet Union the evil empire. Yeah. And then there was that crazy, uh, when they went to Reykjavik, like they got really close. He did have an obsession with bringing down the proliferation of nuclear weapons. It was something that he cared about. And so they had a treaty. They had a shot at a treaty. Um, and they went, flew to Reykjavik, Iceland, the two of them. And it was this exciting time where there might be this treaty signed. And then there was this awful midnight footage, which you can also see, of the two of them leaving at the same time. And they're, and Reagan's going, nah, and Gorbachev's yeah, yeah. going like, you know, what, what do you want from me? Reagan's going, nah, man, no fucking way. And they get in their cars and they leave. And it was like, shit. Yeah. It was scary. We're going to keep nukes. And it looked like something worse might happen. But Gorbachev was... Uh, was an interesting dude, you know? Something interesting was going on there, different from the other guys. Yeah. But so Reagan, um, I'm trying to remember the thing I was going to say about him. He, um, um, fuck. Well, he was shot, and I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that's the one I wanted to talk about. So I went to my- That guy's out. What's that? He just got out. Hinkley's out? Hinkley's out. There's pictures, there's- there's wow. like TMZ's taking pictures of him. Like, I think if I kill subway. Hinkley, that'll <laughs> help me. That'll help. <laughs> Only if it's for Jodie Foster. You think if I could, yeah. <laughs> She's still around. Somebody's got to fuck Jodie Foster. Somebody, I mean, in connection with that. Yes. Um, so. What? 
What did she say? That's my favorite. When he got out, apparently she was like, actually was kind of impressed when he No. <laughs> I swear. She heard, said that? I heard I've heard something else. else. I heard that she was talking to like Phoebe Cates or somebody. She was being funny. And she said to Phoebe Cates, like, hey, nobody ever shot the president for you, honey, or something like that. And there's a million stories <laughs> about Jerry really Foster funny. taking, you know, which all might be yeah, false. It could, it could I think, be didn't Ed Hinckley, I think he used to call her and like leave voicemails. Um, uh, I don't know anything about I think that. she was in college. I don't think they had voicemail then. You know what I mean. Yeah. Answering machine, he would call and be like, "Share tapes." He's like, "Wait till you see what the fuck." Wait till I you see. I love you. Please so watch. Much. Make sure you're watching <laughs> TV. <laughs> he I went didn't to my kill him. <laughs> he just got fucked up. My my mom hated Ronald Reagan. Hated him since the seventies, and she saw him coming. He there was a thing about Reagan that was like Trump for for Democrats, which was it was like it's a nightmare scenario. Reagan is a nightmare scenario. It's the end of all things. He is the worst guy in the world. And they had connections between him and white supremacy, like a bunch of them. Like the place he gave his first speech as a candidate yeah. is a famous horrible. It's, yeah. it's where the students were, were in killed. Mississippi. Yeah, it was yeah. like in that. It was like he's standing on their fucking on yeah. the car that they took out of the mud. Not that, but, you know, he was there. So a lot of people made connections with that shit. But people hated Ronald Reagan before he was president. When he won, I remember my mom being deeply disturbed by it. And um, and so there was this feeling he's not a good guy. We have a bad president from some people's point of view. And then other people, you were very aware, yeah, fucking loved the guy. I mean, so much. And the his the mask, the rubber mask of him, what became a thing. And uh, SNL was making fun of him and all this stuff. But um, there were these people that just absolutely. They loved Reagan without any reason, without any. And some people were on his side, all kinds of stuff. But there's a lot of Democrats who just couldn't stand the guy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, life went on. And then when he got shot, I went to my friend Jeff Drew's house and he said that the president just got shot. And these are two foot things I remember watching on live TV again now yeah. later. One was that, and one was Anwar Sadat being assassinated. The uh, uh, whatever president of I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't remember if it was fucking Egypt or Israel. But it, it, it was a uh, Sadat was killed, and I was watching it on the news. Why is Israel? I don't. Well, there was later somebody um, got shot in Israel. Yeah, new, I'm fucking up all the names. Yeah, but that was when Clinton was president. So okay. Anwar Sadat was on a military they were having a parade and there was troops marching in front of him and they turned around and shh, fucking that's, <laughs> that's gotta be egypt I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah probably that right? sounds about i mean it was not through hand grenades it was his guys and they turned around and just riddled there was a bunch of guys like at a dais like a, a whole bunch of dignitaries and they just what and i was watching this i was watching the live news and they broke in and said, I mean, I was somewhat watching. There was a special report. That used to be a big thing. Uh, now it's every breaking, fucking news break. Breaking. Yeah, breaking news. Anwar Sadat is dead. We have footage. It's straight out of the beta cam. And it hasn't been edited. We're going to warn you that this hasn't been edited. And I, and I watched this footage of a guy just watching the fucking parade. And then, boom, 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 and then this, the lens goes down. And then he goes up on the bandstand and and you see a guy holding his own arm with what the cut fuck? off and there's like strands of blood and stuff and muscle and he's holding it and he's dazed like ask asking people walking by like what do i do with my arm like that kind of thing 
and just blood. I mean, I saw, I was a kid and I saw that on TV. And the other thing was Reagan had just been shot when I got to Jeff's house and we sat down and we watched that footage, 20,000, yeah. you know, of him like the dumb and, you know. and you know, he got thrown into the limousine and Hinkley. his own guy jumped on yeah. him. Didn't he kill one of the guys? He killed, oh yeah, he killed, he killed a cop. He, uh, James Brady took, who was the press secretary, took one to the head and was like this for the rest of his life. And the Brady bill was this big gun. His, his whole life became about gun control. How the, fuck the Brady bill out, was dude. started by his family, by, by James Brady, who was Reagan, Republican, conservative Reagan's, um, press secretary. He was his spokesman. Very, very brilliant guy who suddenly was like this and talked like that. And he would make speeches and his wife would help him. And the Brady bill was like, we, of course, we're going to pass this because it was and a lot of Republicans were in favor of it. But the NRA was just a motherfucker. There was no way to to pass it. Um, you looking up James Brady? No, I'm just looking at how funny Hinckley is now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. He's just leaving Thank a subway. You. Oh, he looks exactly like me. <laughs> He's doing pretty good. He looks like me. He's got the same body. Playing guitar. Good for you, John. To CNN. Good boy. Man who shot Reagan is now posting love songs online. <laughs> hey, he's like, I got to get chicks the old-fashioned way. <laughs> sing him a song. Dude, just leaving Subway. I used to shoot presidents to impress girls, and now I just sing him a song. <laughs> Like a good old boy. I hope he gets pussies playing what is he guitar. There? That's it's a, a subway, dude. Just get a nice hoagie. subway, just like Jared. If he keeps eating those, he can get skinny <laughs> like gonna, Jared and fuck. Now children. he's gonna get some pussy. <laughs> he can be a kid fucking president <laughs> murdering guitarist. This guy's not done. He's got his, his brand. He's still building his brand. He's got a shot. I mean, he looks young and healthy. It's funny to be fat and be like, I'm trying to get pussy. I could so you know the story about go him gym. that he had. There's the, these are the legends. He had uh, dinner at George Bush's house, uh, apparently like a couple of weeks before he shot the president. No. Look up John Hinckley and the Bush family. Their families were linked. The Hinckleys, I think, gave money to the Bushes or something like that. But apparently Hinckley was a guest in a Bush house an alarmingly short amount of time uh, before he shot President Reagan. And a very interesting thing about it is that George Bush was where when he was, when Reagan was shot. Do you know where George Bush was? When Reagan was, was shot? Texas. He was in Texas. There's this thing about Wasn't Texas. Wasn't he in Dallas when Kennedy got in, shot? That's what folks say. And he was at like, Texas is this place to like, like it, it feels like. He was, skull, he was skull and bones. But, oh, yeah, Skull and Bones, very big. George Bush, and we'll get to him, but George Bush uh, was a power nerd, and he was a guy who really hated the Reagan. Sh the shooter's father, John Hinckley Sr., was friends with George H.W. Bush. Yes. So he's like... Uh, how's regular your, regular ha contributors to the Bush campaign. Yes. How's your son? How's your, how's your boy, John? Oh, I got to tell you, kind he's troubled. He's troubled. Troubled, is he? Yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe I should have a talk with him. He's like, hey, you want to fuck Jody Foster? No, he's like, so tell me what's going on. I'm just really into, uh, just really into, uh, I'm just really into Jody. Um, I'm just really in love with Jody Foster. I know that's weird. I'm in love with Jody Foster. 
Well, you know, son, you can't just sit on your on your keister. <laughs> you got to do something. I mean, what could you do to get her? You know, well, how should I get? I wrote her letters. I wrote hundreds of letters. Uh, a girl like that, she's famous. You got to do something everybody for everyone to see. Yeah, I'll tell you who she hates. Do something that's going to make everybody see you. I, I just mean, talked to Jody. You know yeah. who she really hates? She, <laughs> I mean, if you were to do something to, you know what they say? Now was was <laughs> was uh, was Lennon dead yet? Lennon was 1980. He was yeah, shot in 1980. December 8th. And when was Kennedy? Well, I mean, Kennedy. When was Reagan shot? When was Lennon shot? Important dates. Reagan was shot in 81. So right after um, fucking Chapman, David Chapman killed uh, Lennon. Yeah. And he said, the Beatles changed the world and I changed the Beatles. You know what that you know what that Chapman Phillips said? I read this in Rolling Stone magazine. He said, the Beatles changed the world, and gosh, they sure did. And I changed the Beatles. That's what he said. So I don't know. I mean, a fella could find someone yeah. who's really changed in the world. I don't know. I mean, anyone, you know, Stevie Wonder, Ronald Reagan. And uh, <laughs> Ronald Reagan. <clears throat> Ronald Reagan. And maybe take, you know, have an effect on his life. I mean, what do you, you know? Anyway, so yeah, so so Hinckley was like, I don't know why you're talk, talking about talking about that, but uh, I, I know what you're saying. And so then he went to his bedroom and he looked in the drawer and he found a gun. He's like, where's this gun come from? I left something for you. I left you a little something. <laughs> you know you have to do something. Yeah, so if you're the vice president and you have anything to do with the president being shot, you need to be in Texas. Because if, if there's any sort of like, we're, we have word that vice president, whatever. And then the governor of Texas is like, we're not extraditing. I'm like, it's the one place he might be able to hole up and maybe even stage a coup from. He's like, no, we're, we're the Republic of Texas now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it, it could work. So Bush is in Texas and he refuses to come to Washington. It was a big deal because he just should have taken taken over. But he refuses to come to Washington. He's like, I'm not going. I'm not going to show up in the White House while the Gipper's fighting for his life. He yeah. made big statements about it. But he stayed away. He stayed, and it got really chaotic, as we all know. There's a great movie. How long was Reagan out? Um, a, I think a few days. But Nancy, so there's a, an amazing movie made by, by HBO called "The Day the President Was Shot." Richard Crenna plays Reagan, and Richard Dreyfus plays Alexander Haig, and it's like a comedy in a way. But anyway, um. When Nixon was in the in the uh, I mean, when Re Reagan, you know, Reagan, they drove him to George. There is a hospital that's for the president. First of all, the, the cottage, the White House, they have a emergency room. They have everything there. But he was bleeding. He was spitting blood. So uh, <laughs> and he yeah, Hinkley. Hinkley got him. he got him. He fucking shot him in the armpit. President of the limo. Shot him. And then he and then he thought his bodyguard jumped on him. And then he said, I think you broke my rib. He, that's what he thought happened. He said, I, I think you broke my rib. So they, so they, they were going to go back to the White House to get him looked at. But then, uh, then he started spitting lots of blood. And so they went straight to George Washington Hospital, which was just a, a fucking homeless people out front. And the fucking limousine by itself just screeches up. And they brought a gurney, but the president said, I'm not going in on my back. You're not doing that. What? It's true. And he walked in. And this great, this, there's a move, this movie, the best part is showing him 
hello walking by and you see this black guy go like oh shit like oh shit like just 80s black guys who are in front of a hospital like their wife's fucking having a baby and they're smoking and this that's the fucking president and he's like hello and then he as soon as he got as soon as he got inside hey fellas yes he crumbles and uh they got him on the uh on the gurney and they're going and he he came to at one moment because the nurse was holding his hand and he said does nancy know about you and me and then uh right before he went on a charming devil yes the the doctors right before anesthesia they said mr because they had to tell him he was the head of the fucking world and there was no he was in charge and they didn't know do we do we he's going under anesthesia and they said mr president we're going to put you under we have to get this bullet out of you and it was an exploding bullet. <laughs> so the doctors were all in danger. Hinkley. Hinkley's an exploding beast. bullet. What? And it was next to his heart. It was like leaning yeah. against his heart like this, the bullet. <laughs> and so the doctors said, we got to get this bullet out of you, so I'm going to put you under now. And he said, I hope that you guys are Republicans. And the doctor, who was not a Republican, said, Mr. President, today we're all Republicans. And he saved his life. But he was extremely, I mean, he was on death's door for mm. a few days. Now, the White House has Alexander Haig saying, I'm, I'm in charge here at the White House. I'm, I'm, he was the Secretary of State. He had yeah. no business saying that. He was like, by the, he made up this thing, by the succession, laws of succession, I would be next. It's like, no, no, you're like 20th yeah. down. And meanwhile, at though at the hospital nancy's there with the chief of staff and there was a battle between the white house and the guys at the hospital so they needed to prove that reagan was functioning as a president so they needed a photograph and they needed him to do a piece of business so they had a, a the dairy bill some bill that's like for dairy subsidies that needed to be signed jackpot for those guys yes so they're, <laughs> they're like <laughs> Oh, we did it. <laughs> Hinkley, baby, I love you. Hinkley! <laughs> That's what it was. It was the milk people. The milk people, the milk people did the whole Big thing. milk, dude. For another 15 cents on a fucking <laughs> carton of milk. So Nancy got enlisted, and they said, you need to do this. And you need to handle them like you handled them in the movies. And so she put makeup on his face and she like slaps, Ronnie, you got to wake up. And they have, and they leaned his bed up like this and she just kept trying to wake him up. And this is all in the movie done very well, but it's true. And they took a picture of him like, there's this picture of him, like a really weird picture that I think did more harm than good. And then he signed, he signed uh, He looks great. Bill. Yeah. <laughs> signed the dairy bill. It's a great picture. One great picture is very rare to find of Reagan. He had like he had many operations. He was a very sick and dying old man. Yeah, he had some brain like something taken off his brain or something. So he had had his half of his head was shaved, and at one and he was coming out of the airplane and he had a baseball cap on and he went like like this. Oh no! And Nancy's going, don't! <laughs> oh, <laughs> She's like no. horrified. And he, because he thought it was funny, <laughs> half his head is shaved. It's creepy. I, I, I saw that picture once. I never saw it again. Uh, so anyway, Reagan survived, obviously. And then that just was a massive lift. Yeah. I, I was a kid. My mother hated Reagan. And I was just like, yeah, good, you know, good for you, you know. 
Everybody was happy for him. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Oh my god. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's really mad. <laughs> yes. Uh That's so Reagan. Iran's a guy rocket. Iran Contra happens. They were uh using there were still some hostages in Iran, and they were offering the Iranians weapons in exchange for hostages and money. And then they were going to use the money to uh, fund the Contras and um, in El Salvador. Yeah. And it was all done by this guy, Oliver North. North. Yeah. Colonel Oliver North. It was Reagan. It was dirty. It was a dirty Reagan thing. And Reagan said... I take responsibility for it because I'm not sure what I remember that I was told about this and we're looking into it, but make no mistake. It's my responsibility. Very, nobody does that anymore. Yeah. So he did that and that kind of got him through it and it made people believe that he was really looking into it. And then they pinned it all on this guy who I remember his hearings was a big, it was the biggest deal since, since Watergate. I ran Contragate. That's what they, it was the first thing that they gate that they said gate about and um, Oliver North was he said a I dumb they, thing that he said to somebody pitched the somebody pitched this idea to me of the missiles and then yeah. the many and he said I thought it was a neat idea <laughs> and when everybody heard him say that they it became plausible that this fucking dummy did he just was stupid and crazy yeah. and that he did it he later ran for governor of Virginia as a Republican. Might be West Virginia. I'm sorry, but Chuck Todd, who was the that lieutenant that sent the tape to yeah, Lyndon Johnson's son-in-law, who was thought to be the next great. He was supposed to be the next Kennedy, but he had a bad coke habit. But <sighs> but he was cool enough to be a senator. He was senator from I think West Virginia for years, and he just didn't care anymore. So there's another great documentary about called The Perfect Candidate. And it's a really great, um, it's a documentary about him running against Oliver North. Decided after all this shit had happened, he's going to run. And it teaches you something about presidential politics. That's why I'm bringing it up. So Chuck Todd was a Democrat. He's like one of these guys you have now, you know, just a machine Democrat. Like there's a scene in the documentary where a reporter asks him, what do you think of uh, furlough programs in prisons? And he goes, what? I don't, I didn't, I didn't make a, I didn't say anything about, I haven't said anything about that. And he goes, well, what, what do you think about it? He goes, I've never, I haven't changed, I haven't changed my position on, uh, I'm, 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 I have a good, very good record on crime. And he goes, I'm just asking your opinion. Yeah. And he goes, well, I, 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 I appreciate the work that everybody has, has done. And he walks away. <laughs> and the guy's like, I can't even get an opinion out of this guy. Yeah. That's who's running, right? He's a tool. Yeah. And he's the Democrat. And then Oliver North, he announces his candidacy in a black church, all black ladies. And he's this notorious guy. Mm -hmm. And he says, he says, I've made terrible, terrible mistakes in my life. And you don't hear the black him. women, oh! Yeah, just, don't forgive him. Oh. And he goes, and I'm a bad man. I've been a bad man. But there's one thing I love. And that's the people of West Virginia. And he starts crying. Oh, and my God. And they just <laughs> love him. They love him. And he's winning the fucking, he's going to be a senator. senator. Yeah. It's a big deal. And then right at the end of the documentary, Clinton, who is just sweeping the country, 
comes in and spends like two days just going, you got, you, you know, Chuck Todd is the only man in this. And he just, and the black women love Clinton and he, he put him over the top. Okay. Reagan gets old. He gets Alzheimer's while he's in office. Nancy Reagan very openly talked about this once he was dead because Alzheimer's became her issue. And so she didn't mind giving his legacy away because it was more important to take care of the disease. So she gave us some great stories. One of them was that she was at um, the white, she was always at meetings and he, he told a funny story and then ate some (laughs) chicken and then he told it again. Oh no. Told it twice. And everyone was there, Ed Meese or whoever the guys in, and she said in his presence, do you guys see this? Yeah. Does anybody gone. like, do we see what's happening here? Cause she was really concerned. Yeah. They're like, no, no, no. He's so crazy. they started having meetings about it. And there's a great story. Reagan's doctor, which you can look it up, um, decided it was time to, uh, to talk about it. He examined Reagan and then he went to Reagan's ranch in California and Reagan was chopping wood. He, his body never gave up on him. He was as fucking strong as a piece of oak. He was chopping wood in a red flannel. You could just see this, you yeah. know, on his ranch. And the doctor comes up and he says, uh, he says, Mr. President, I got an issue. He says, some of us think that you might be losing your mental capacities. And right now you're okay, but you're declining. And I need to know what to do if I perceive that you, because I can't talk to you once you lose your mind. Yeah. We can't have this conversation. Maybe in a year or so, I won't be able to have this conversation with you because you won't be cognizant. So while you're still okay, and I think you are, I need to ask, I need instructions from you. What do I do when I believe that you left the earth? And Reagan just took it as a piece of business, he took off his leather gloves, and he said, well, uh, speak to Nancy and speak to the chief of staff and uh the the head democrat the speaker the however is the number one democrat get them in a room and make a committee and tell them i'll do whatever they say and so that didn't end up happening yeah the the second time he won the presidency was a moment for me too as a kid because he won and it was just this bah, dah, 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 that every time a president won and Nixon, you know, this whole thing. Yeah. And and then when Reagan won the second time, they he didn't he wasn't with balloons. He was in a hotel room and footage you can find of him and they cut to all these Republicans cheering and they cut to him and Nancy on a couch watching on a TV, holding hands and they look really upset. They're just sitting there and he and he's literally going like this. And it was this, it may have been performative, but the signal was, I gotta, I have to do it. It's my duty, but I'm an old, I don't want to do it. This this is a grave responsibility. Yeah. He took it seriously and he was frowning when he when he learned that he won. And that was a that was a big character moment. Yeah. By an actor. Of course. But nonetheless, it was a big yeah. deal. A lot of it's a lot of it's acting, a lot of these guys. Yes. And that's uh that's Reagan. And then Bush ran against Mike Dukakis. This is where I'm starting to become somewhat cognizant. I was, was starting to Okay, yeah. How I don't I, you? no no no. It, I don't remember 
I barely remember Clinton. Bush Clinton is like the first election I remember being like, yeah, fuck that's Clinton. amazing to me. That's yeah, amazing. Fuck Clinton. Well, because I remember that's so funny. Yours is Obama. I remember that's so funny to me. Bush's W's inauguration. That's like the first political thing I remember. It's incredible to me because Clinton was a change, a sea change. Yeah. Because Bush, so Bush ran against Mike Dukakis, who was the governor of Massachusetts, where I was from. So he was our governor. And he was running against Jesse Jackson in the primaries. And Jesse Jackson was just like killing. He was out there making these speeches. People loved Jesse Heimie Jackson. Town? What's that? Is that Jaime Town? Hi- yeah, that Jesse Jackson? He called New York Jaime Town. <laughs> was he in like the garden? <laughs> yeah, I think like, he said it. Like, hey, Heimie Heimie Town. Town. <laughs> he called New York City Jaime Town. <laughs> yes, he sure did. I like that. And uh, so he, <laughs> Jesse Jackson attacked Cedric the Entertainer many years later for a character he played in Barbershop where he says, fuck Rosa Parks. Everyone's sick of hearing about Rosa Parks. It's a yeah. really funny scene where he's a black guy saying, I don't give a shit about Rosa Parks. And uh, Jesse Jackson um, said he sh- never should have said that. She's a, you know, uh, you don't touch this woman with your humor. And he's yelled it. Mm-hmm. And, and Cedric was a religious guy and a, you know he was upset and i was pissed off at jesse and i just did some once in a while i do this kind of dumb thing i called the fucking uh his the rainbow coalition that's his office <laughs> in chicago and this woman answered the phone hello and i go i have a complaint about jesse jackson she goes who are you <laughs> and i said i'm just a citizen and i don't agree with what she said and he says he don't care what you think young man and she hung up Damn. yeah that's so, good yeah, because, you know, sometimes I've called the White House like four times in my life and said, hey, you know, and they say, yes, tell me the thing. And they politely take it down. I called Trump when Trump was like not not conceding the election. Yeah, I called the White House and it was deep into it. Yeah. And usually it's like, hello, White House is a switchboard Wait, operator. You're the White House? And you say, I want to make a complaint. And she <laughs> says, yes, uh, I'll put you through. And they either, you know, they give you a voicemail or they put somebody who just writes down. Thank you very much. They take your comment and you just figure it's one of a trillion. But when I called Trump's White House, some guy, you could hear a loosened tie and no sh- and sh- unshaven. Some guy goes, hello, White House. And yeah. I go, hi, I want to make a complaint. He goes, what? I want to make a complaint. He goes, ah, look, um, please just go to the website. Can you just go to the website? And I said, I said, are you okay? And he goes, not great. I swear to God, I had this conversation. He goes, not great. I said, okay, well, I hope you have a better day. He said, thank you. I do appreciate that. So it was white, at that point, awesome. the White House is in a place where it was like <laughs> Trump's like, somebody get the fucking phone. The fucking phone is ringing. It was, and it was the, like nobody's left. It was the end of Wolf of Wall Street. Yes, like, everybody dudes yes. Were falling apart. It was nuts. <laughs> but so, yeah. So Jesse Jackson was running in a great comedian named Barry Crimmins. Oh, wait, I can't believe you're calling the White House. I call the White House occasionally. Yeah. You're I fucking, call radio you're talk shows crazy. sometimes. I called a radio talk show and spoke to John McCain on the phone once on the radio. Yeah. What'd you tell and, him? Um, he was in New York campaigning <laughs> Dude, no for name. Bloomberg. He was campaigning for Bloomberg yeah. to be mayor. Bloomberg was running against Mark Green, who was a firebrand, like anti-establishment guy. And I called McCain and I said, first of all, you should be supporting Mark Green because he's just like you. And he said, I love Mark Green. Like I got him to say, it's like Mark Green's a great guy. But, you know, Mike's got it. Mike Bloomberg's got it. And I said, uh, also, you should run for president. He's like, no, 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 stop. Get, get him yeah. off. He's like, get him off the phone. Yeah. So that was my, uh, and then later I met McCain at the Tonight Show. I was the lead guest and his daughter was the second guest. And I went and his daughter said, my dad wants to meet you. 
and I went to her dressing room and he was there and I said, Hey, I, I just love John McCain. I fucking love him. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I just saying, Hey man, I just, you know, you're really something. Yeah. And he said, Louie, you're the best. Louie, you're the best. <laughs> and he said, uh, I heard you did USO shows. And I said, yeah, I was in Iraq. I was in Afghanistan. And so then when she was being interviewed, he, she brought out her dad. And he sat down and he, he sat down and he said before, and, and Jay goes, hey. <laughs> and McCain goes, before I say anything, I just want to, I want to pay tribute to Louis C.K. Because he went to the Middle East, put his life in danger to entertain our troops. And how about that? And he got the crowd. Wow. First thing out of his mouth. That's fucking cool. And he said that he wanted to exchange uh, numbers because we both read a lot of the same books. He's a great guy. I never got to talk to him again after that. Okay. You remember when Trump smashed? <laughs> What's that? When Trump talked shit on him? Oh, God. It was just... It was... It first was, of all, it was genius. It's it was so funny. Genius moment. It was such a it was, funny... You know, the thing about when you get to the, 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 the schoolyard, you look for the biggest kid and you punch him in the nose. You might get your ass kicked, but no one else will fuck with you. Yeah. So in the politics at that time for Trump, it was like, who's the most loved? Who's the most loved man in America politics? John McCain. I'm going to call him a loser. <laughs> I like the guys who don't get shot down. Yeah. You know, the guys who don't get shot down are the guys who avoid the, you know, yeah, who, who don't do their the jobs. Job. Yeah. <laughs> Piece of shit. No, it was a Brilliant. good joke. Great joke. Brilliant. I mean, great, shit. great level of shit talking. So, so people calling somebody a war hero and being like, I mean, he's, oh, he, he got captured. I mean, that was one of those. <laughs> what a fucking Trump loser. had so many moments where I was just like, oh, my God. That was that was one that that was. The and one. again, from the backstory of every every detail I remember about all these guys. But anyway, let's wait. Yeah, let's go here. We got George. I mean, we got Herbert Walk. Yeah, we got. Okay. Let's skip. Okay. H oh, this is this one's too. Damn. Skip HW. Fuck. It. Okay. Herbert Walker Bush. Uh, CIA, CIA, evil. If you look into everything they've done, he engineered his whole life to become president. He had Reagan shot, and his father Prescott Bush, Kennedy, Prescott Bush, um, was uh, a senator, and he traded with the Nazis. Like he got censured by the Senate for selling goods to the Nazis back when they were. There's a lot of Americans making money selling shit to Hitler. Yeah. If you ever go to 30, so 30 Rock, where I was almost there, yeah. you were almost there, but then you said something terrible, <laughs> just terrible. Shane, how dare you? I just remembered, get out of my house. Oh, shame on you, Shane Gillis. I like my SNL cast. Shame on you. Didn't get cut. <laughs> I worked at Conan, which is in the same building, and the, 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 uh, producer is jeff ross not jeffrey ross the comedian this is a producer and he was really interested in history and he said you want to see something cool and he took me into the there was a stairwell in 30 rock and he took me in there and he pushed my head down <laughs> no and uh there's these big red pipes in the stairwells that are feeding the whatever yeah. sprinklers i don't know what they're big big iron red pipes that have been there since 30 rock was built back in the late 30s mid late 30s by rockefeller and um there's a big spigot coming off of the side of one of them with a big you know wheel it's some release valve and on the side of it is a fucking nazi like an embossed Nazi and it's raised, you know, it's not painted. Oh, on. it's in the yeah. It's 
It's a not a swastika. And he said, these are all of the steel in this building is Nazi steel. It's all German. That what was the, the flag. Fuck? It wasn't a political flag. Like it was a political sure. flag, but it was also just the flag of Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you bought German steel, it was like made in USA. Yeah, you're not going to tear had down the building. It had a swastika on it. And they bought it. And all he said, all of the steel in 30 Rock has swastikas on it. But they, at one point, they turn them into the corners. But they can't turn these, these spigots. So... Every time I used to go to the 30 Rock, Holy like when I, I hosted SNL, I would take anybody who didn't know about it and show it to them. But the last time I went there, they had shaved it down. Somebody got in there with a thing and shaved it down. Holy shit. But so that's how fucked up. So that's Prescott Bush was one of the guys making money on Nazis. And then his, it's Skull and Bones guy. Yeah. George Bush. H. Skull Bush. and Bones. Skull yeah. and Bones. But he was a kind of a Nixon-y thing where I think he went too far. He got Reagan shot. He just went through <laughs> too many fucked up things. He was CIA, man. He was yes, and he head was supposed to run. He was supposed to win. But this is when I started to believe in this country was when Clinton ran for president. Because, and again, not based on politics even, but how dug in Reagan and Bush felt. And Bush just felt like you ain't going to beat this guy with nothing. These guys are in there. And there's Dick Cheney in there. And... Um, and Donald Rumsfeld, these fucking guys are like, these are hard ass fucking guys who don't bleed. You just don't believe they bleed. And they got it all worked out and they've been there for 12 fucking years. Yeah. And here comes Clinton, whose mom was a blackjack dealer in Vegas and whose dad died in a three inch puddle. He died. He was drunk and he hit a tree and was launched out of his car and landed in three little feet of water and drowned in it. That was Clinton's dad. And then his, that was uh, Jefferson, uh, his father, he was, his name was. Was that his real dad or his His dad's last name is Jefferson. Yeah. It would have been another Jefferson. That was his real dad. His mom then married a guy named Clinton. And changed his name. And had had Roger. And his mom, and that guy used to beat the shit out of his mom. And the second Clinton got big enough, one night his stepdaddy came home drunk and he stood up to him and he said if you hit my mom again i'm gonna kill you and he used to protect his little brother and his little brother was like an orphan his dad's a drunk yeah so the dad disappears and the day that clinton turned 18 he was already in charge of the family the day he turned 18 he took his brother to city hall and he said you know what i'm doing today i'm changing my last name to clinton so that you and me are real brothers that's why his last name is clinton yeah that's who bill clinton is okay and he fucked a bunch of 10-year-old girls on a jet. <laughs> <laughs> he also fucked those kids. <laughs> but, but he did. <laughs> That's the problem. I don't know, man. I have no idea. I don't know. It wasn't not my looking, pussy. It wasn't my pussy. It so wasn't mine, but it's not looking good. Oh, it's not looking good at all. I mean, he <laughs> took I a don't know lot of those. He loved the ladies, which you, know, I know nothing you can't about knock it. a guy for liking ladies. But... Those aren't ladies. Those are babies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant his reputation. Look, I don't know. I don't. Outside know. of banging the kids, his reputation was uh, love the ladies. Lewinsky yes. and the other sure. lady. So Clinton, <laughs> but Clinton was this fucking country good old boy, and they threw. And I mean, we had just lost Gary Hart. He was. That's why. That's why um, uh, Dukakis ran. Yeah, because Gary Hart. Uh, got caught with a chick. And so that, that was Democrats' problems. 
is that is the bit is there, the yeah, too much pussy too much pussy and um so <laughs> so clinton shows up and the first thing that happens in new hampshire is fucking jennifer flowers and um but then there was this feeling that it was a kind of a circus and i remember howard stern's guy stuttering john do you remember him yeah stuttering john stuttering john the jennifer flowers's first in her, like her press conference it was like a serious thing and she's like yes i did have sex with him and then you heard stuttering john say are you planning to have sex with any more democratic candidates <laughs> and, and she laughed and everybody laughed <laughs> to me that was the moment where everybody was like who gives a who gives a fuck who he fucked hillary stood by him we did the interview with him and uh with uh, uh barbara walters a light fell from the from the grid and crashed on the floor right next to them and the clintons hugged and they were both crying so it was like they're under a lot of stress and they almost one of them died and it was a, and barbara walters saw this and told everyone the story and so it was like everybody started to love bill clinton same as same as uh, oliver yeah. north you, you ever look at the clinton body count what's that how many people they've killed Oh, you mean Foster, the guy from yeah, the travel himself. office? Didn't he shoot himself twice? There's a bunch of guys who shot themselves twice in the head and stuff like that. I don't know, but the Republican, this is the only I mean, history. Dick Cheney shot a guy in the face. Dick Cheney, yeah, but he, that was fun. He was having fun with. I know. Guy. I'll tell you about that. But so, <laughs> so Clinton made me feel like I can't believe this. They just got rid of the Bushes. Yeah, they got rid of Cheney. They got they really I like in my lifetime that didn't exist. The idea of that. So I was pretty fucking impressed. Um, likewise with Obama later. But so that made me think, you know, maybe this is actually some kind of, a, you know, and then later you learned that Clinton and Gore together learned how to go for business and tell big business, look, we're going to make you a fortune. Don't worry about yeah. the social issues. We're going to take care of the poor. We're going to do all kinds of programs, but we're getting rid of wealth. He got rid of wel welfare. And he was also a, um, a death penalty governor. Yeah. He put a retarded guy in his lecture chair. <laughs> He put a retarded guy in the electric chair when he was governor. He literally just like, he was drunk and he just said, come here. And he's like, what are you doing? And he just took him and he put him in it. And he said, never mind, just fucking shut up. <laughs> Killed a retarded guy single-handedly. Clinton, anyway, Clinton, I loved Clinton when I was a kid. Yeah. I loved Clinton, just loved him. And uh, I remember when Coretta Scott King died, her funeral he closed it like i think jesse jackson was there every president was there everybody past president all the greats came to make speeches and then clinton clinton wasn't george w bush was president now so bush went before but he let clinton close mm -hmm. there was they all made speeches about how far we've come and the importance of martin luther king and then they'd make a comment about her it was really about martin luther king and then she was a great woman. And Clinton just fucking talked. He went up there and he leaned on the podium and he said, you know, we're all talking about a lot of stuff here, but there's a woman in that box. <laughs> like he literally pointed at her dead body. There's a woman in that box. Fine, beautiful. Woman. A woman who, Supple. who had, he said, <laughs> she had dreams. She had passions. She was, and he talked, said, made, made one, said one word that would sound a little sexy. Yeah. And look at her kids, and what are they going to do? They have, they're already dealing with their daddy's legacy. That's a burden on them. 
That's a burden on them. And it was a burden on her. And now it passes to them. And my God, what is it like to be them now? And you just hear people going, oh, that's what Clinton just yeah, had yeah, that yeah, ability. Yeah. And he fucked so many children. Just and hundreds he, of them. But he did fuck those kids on that island. On the island of Kid Fucker. What, was Where he you doing? what else are you going to do on that island? What are you going to go to that island and just stand by the Pepsi machine? and just, like, Trump, Trump went there. Look at your phone? Trump only hung out with the staff. <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's true. And uh, it is funny the, the, like the, the politics I have instilled in me. Yeah. I just remember I hated Clinton. Just I, was, I, was, I, was I like, just loved him. I was eight mm-hmm. or however. I was, I was like five. At a ra- I was in New Orleans for yeah. a film festival. I'd made a little shitty short film, and it won Best Comedy at the New Orleans Film Festival. And I went down there, and this was back when you had to send a VHS of your movie, and then you'd get it in the mail. You'd get a letter. <laughs> I got a letter in the mail saying, you won an award. So I went down to New Orleans. I was a kid in 1992. So I wasn't a kid. I was 18 plus 7, whatever that is. Um 25 sounds good i went to new orleans and i'm just walking around a park and then this fucking bus pulls up with clinton gore on the side and they just get out and start a rally and there's people just started showing up it was like at some park and next thing i know i'm at a clinton and al gore comes out and he says uh the governor can't talk because his his voice is destroyed by all these rallies so i'm gonna make the speech and then he talked, yeah, and then it's kind of we're going to return around. It was just boring. Yeah. And then Hillary came out and said a few things. Nobody cared. And then Clinton <laughs> came out, and it was like, oh, he's going to talk. And he, was oh, like, and he was a little hush, but he made an amazing speech. And I was standing there, and I watched him make this speech. And then he came down off the podium, and he just wor- walked. The- I stood there. Some guy handed me a placard. <laughs> and so I had this placard, Clinton Gore. And he found me and this, there was this lady next to me and she had a throwaway camera. That's how long ago this was. And she goes, uh, can you take a picture of me with the governor? So I took a picture of her with Clinton and some guy took a placard and put it in front of their faces and he swatted it down. He said, what's wrong with you? Screamed at this guy and he said to me, take it again. Oh my God. So I took another picture. Clinton. Um, <laughs> eight years. The king of the world, unbeatable, gets Monica Lewinsky, gets uh, impeached. The crime bill, though, that wasn't great. I don't, yeah, I don't fucking care what these guys do. Just a super interesting guy. Um, It's funny. It's just funny to speak at crime bill. Coretta. Coretta's funeral and then be like, "Eh, crime bill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So Clinton. And uh, and Gore's vice president. And one of the fly in the wall moments, like the thing I wish I was there for, is apparently somewhere Clinton and Gore had to do an event together. And this is when Clinton needed to tell Gore that he fucked Monica Lewinsky because Gore backed him up. Yeah, everybody believed him. Yes, when he was saying like, "Let me tell, we got to get in the business." I did not have sex with that. I did not have sex with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. And we have like he slipped her name in. So he sat in a limousine with Gore apparently. And said, uh, I fucked her, it's coming out. <laughs> and Gore was like, well, gosh darn it. Jeez, Bill. I mean, I mean, it's like you're doing it to me on purpose. <laughs> My God. And they just sat in that limo and they dealt with it. Yeah. There's another fly in the mo- on the wall moment with them later on September 11th. 
uh, Gore was in Canada. He was flying in Canada and his plane was grounded and he couldn't fly into this. Nobody could fly. So he got a car. He rented a car because they're all losers now. And he drove. <laughs> He's a fucking loser. Yes. And they and he drove to um, to back to Washington, but he stopped in Chappaquiddick and he got there like midnight. I'm Chappaquiddick. What's the name of the Chappaqua? Where the Clintons live. They live in upstate New York. Yeah. In Chappaqua. He stopped at Clinton's house and they sat in the kitchen apparently till like, you know, three in the morning just talking, just talk. That I wish I could have been in that yeah, room just like, for that. Damn, we, on 9-11. We could have got him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so okay. do you remember that guy? Which guy? No, this is them sitting in the kitchen yeah. like, holy shit, it was yes. him? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Hankley? Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. He did it? <laughs> exactly. So Clinton gone. And then, uh, yeah, Gore and Bush. And you had the crazy, I mean, I'm getting tired, so it's hard to get into like sure. Bush's, Bush's uh, um, the, 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 the hanging chads. Yeah. And Bush was another like, this is going to be a nightmare. And I remember, I, here's what I hated about, because I, I wasn't predisposed to hate Bush. Because I heard he was like a compassionate conservative. That was the word on Bush. Yeah. Compassionate conservative. And I could read on him that he was a kid of my, he was like of my generation or just above, that he was a post summer of love guy. Like, you know, Clinton loved saying that he had, what was her name, Madeline Albright. And, uh, but Bush had black people and women in his cabinet as a matter of like, he's like, why wouldn't yeah. he? Like for Bush, it wasn't, it stopped the bigotry of the Republican party. And by the way, Democrats, tons of it also stopped at because clinton was like you gotta have a couple of darkies in there otherwise people get mad you know and the gals you know the gals are good you know it's not a bad thing it helps you but bush was like condoleezza rice is fucking amazing she's gonna run everything colin powell um so i liked bush in that sense but i remember he gave he was interviewed about uh foreign policy and he just sounded like a fucking idiot he didn't know anything he knew nothing and then he took a day and crammed and did it again. And then they were like, what about North Korea? And he goes, okay, so North Korea, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. got uh, Kim Il-jung and, and, and then in the South, those were, and he just answered like that, like real quick, canned answers. And I remember they cut to who else, or like Wolf Blitzer. And he's like, well, that's really impressive. Clearly he does know about foreign policy. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So Bush was president September 11th. You know, that whatever. was the first president I remember. All the kids my age hated Bush, mm-hmm. so then I liked him. I get that. All the kids were like, "He's evil. He's gonna ruin the country." And I was like, "Dude, he's awesome." It just made me like him. There was a woman who made a documentary about riding the bus with him. She was one of his press people, and she brought a camera. And I forget what it's called or what her name is, but she was kind of a kind of a gee whiz Lenny Reifenstahl. <laughs> <laughs> um. But there's a moment in it where she took a poll. She was like kind of a goofball. And she was with the press corps on his plane. And she went around and asked everybody, um, who do you think is going to win? And the press all said, McCain. I think it was in the primaries. So McCain was starting to lead. And so she, it leaked through her. Someone leaked that she, because she was just doing it privately for fun. Someone leaked it that... Um, that his press corps thought he was going to lose. And it was really damaging. And everyone threw her under the bus. Everybody in the press said it was her. We didn't do it. And then nobody would talk to her. 
So while they were on the plane, and this is, I think, on film on the thing, she's sitting there just devastated. And Bush comes, which he never did, back, and he sits right next to her. And he says, uh, I want you to take a good look around at these people because now you know who they really are. He said, now you know who your friends are. Now you know who they're not. So yeah. don't forget this moment because this this is really just just don't let them forget it. Yeah. Don't you forget it. There was a guy I was, uh, fuck, I forget the name of this guy. He was, uh, might have been on Rogan. He was on there and he was talking about how he was like a Muslim extremist. He got arrested after 9-11 in Egypt. You remember that? I don't know if it was Rogan. He was great. He was incredible. But he had sat down and talked to a bunch of presidents. And Rogan was like, who was the best one? He was like, W seemed to be genuinely compassionate. I do believe that. I believe that he had a conscious. And, and, he, and then also, he was like, did he do anything about it? It's like, no. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. I, again, what all these guys did and what, the, how much of it was their fault, how much of it was the deep state, whatever it is. I don't know any of this stuff. Yeah. But my feet, all I'm talking, all I'm going by is my feelings about the guys. And there's moments about W that I remember because I, I politically I hated him. Um, I, the whole thing with the Patriot Act, all this kind of stuff. But yeah. and and Iraq, it was shocking, shocking. So many people died. Did you know Iraq so was many bad people. at the time? When when the towers were on fire, I all I could think of was this: people in the desert that are going to die who had nothing. Like I could all I, like we're going to overreact and they're going to we're going to kill so many people. And we did hundreds of thousands of fucking Iraqis that we killed. Yeah, we're just fucking had nothing to do with it. Damn. Nothing. See, I was in eighth grade. And I was sitting there like, whoever did this is going to get a fucking knuckle sandwich. <laughs> well, uh, Bush had a great impromptu moment. He dominated moment. after that. Like when he was on with the, I mean, when he was in the in Omaha, going like, I don't know what this going yeah. on. He looked bad. It looked like this is bad. But then he went to to fucking Ground Zero, Ground Zero the fucking horn. held a megaphone, and uh, someone said, "I can't hear you." And he said, "Well, I can hear you." And the people who did this are going to hear from all of us. That's pretty good fucking ad lib. And the first pitch at the Yankees game? Yes, also. <sighs> easily, he could have said, okay, then you're going to yell, I can't hear you. Of course, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. of course, it was probably Cheney. I can't hear you. Uh, Cheney, by the way, was the, really the Bush story. I was doing Charlie Rose, okay? And me and Charlie later, our lives changed. But Charlie Rose at the time had a very important show where you'd sit in a dark room and be interviewed. And so I went to do Charlie Rose and the guest ahead of me was uh, Jill uh, Cheney, Cheney's wife. She is a historian and she wrote a book about Madison and the framers. And she just, he would just ask her questions and she just, she's a fascinating woman, fucking brilliant historian. And she talked ad nauseum about all the people we did in the first one. Yeah. And I was just riveted. And then they brought me in as they were taking her out. And I was just trying to, like, this is not, she's not my world. And somebody said, uh, we just need your microphone because we need to give it to the next guest. And she said, who's the next guest? And they said, Louis C.K. And she said, Louis B.K.? Louis, where is he? Where is he? <laughs> and I'm, she turns around, I'm standing there, and she goes, you're Louis B.K. And I'm, I'm not going to correct her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, yep, I'm Louis B.K. <laughs> she goes, oh, my God, my grandchildren love you. We're getting a picture. We're gonna, I'm gonna tw you're going on Twitter with me, son. Come here, come here. What? And she took you. can find this. You a picture of you and Liz Cheney? Picture of me with Liz Cheney. Liz Jill. Jill. Liz yeah, is the I'm daughter. Fucking, yeah, yeah. Well, she called me Louis B.K. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah, fuck yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so... Uh, yeah, so we took a picture and she tweeted it. 
Dave, I wonder if Dick ever watched. I have no idea. There's, He's probably like, oh, this yeah. guy's kind of an asshole. This guy's kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's Ch- Cheney and uh, Bush and 9-11. Bush. And then after Bush was president, I was, I told this story on Conan. I'm not going to tell it again. That's fucking boring. But I saw Bush. I was in traffic and then his motorcade just was next to me. And I looked and I saw him through the window of the SUV. And I'm just, another like doll-like moment. I'm like, fuck Bush. But I look at him and he goes like this. And I'm like, like I just yeah, couldn't course, help it. Of course. Of course. Of course. You have to. Yes. But the thing I liked about Bush was that when he, like when the guy threw shoes at him. Do you remember that guy threw two shoes at him? He got two shots. Yeah. Talk about fucking, yeah. fucking Lee Harvey Oswald got him. getting two shots with a bolt rifle. <laughs> this guy got two fucking shoes off with the to... fucking at a standing target with a press all around him and his Secret Service are right there. He threw his shoe, Bush ducked, and then he threw another one and Bush ducked because came back up East, smiling. Yes. <laughs> Throwing shoes is the most insulting thing you can do is throw hit somebody with one of your shoes. Uh, in America, they, you know what the most insulting thing you can do in the Middle East is? What's that? Kill, kill everyone. Kill all of them. <laughs> yeah. Kill all of them. I wonder if he was thinking that. Yes. He ducked. He's he was like, like, ooh. I killed a lot of your family. Ooh, yeah. I'm about to hit your wedding for this. So bad. <laughs> but Bush, they asked him about it afterwards, and he said, well, you know, I got good, I got good reflexes. <laughs> and he said, look, he, he was he's in a country where you can, you know, he's not going to get killed for that. And it, it, people express themselves. He always appreciated freedom of speech. He always appreciated. Yeah. He, he didn't never minded being made. I think that guy of, went to jail when he I'm sure he did. But yeah, um, when when Bush was made fun of, he took it very well when he was uh, on, he would go on SNL and read jokes that were just devastating against himself. <laughs> and he did them with really good timing. And he was funny. He was a funny dude. He was funny. And he got why that was important. And I remember he was debating Gore. And they did a typical thing they do in debates. They tell each other the bad things. So he told the moderator said, Al Gore said this about you. And he reads some shitty things Al Gore said. And he goes, what's your reaction now that you're with him? And Bush goes like, I don't know. He's running for president. Yeah, goes, of course, yeah. he's going to go for it. He's running for president. I mean, that's it's the game. We're trying to win. We're trying to, yeah. you know, we have different views. He didn't care. And later, also, they asked him about the press. And the, he said, we counted on the press to keep us honest. He said, when you're out there making decisions that are outside of the, the decisions that come to the president are the ones that nobody knows what to do. The ones that are clear what the law is and what's practical, other people make those decisions. They go to the president where, where they're like, we're not sure what's legal here. And we're not sure what the American people would want here. And so it's the hardest job in the world because you have to deal with the cutting edge of where the country is going, why it's going there, and what people really want, even if they don't know what's going on. And what's legal? It's not. It's so unclear sometimes. And he said, I depended on the press because we knew they were probing everything. We knew they were watching everything. And we knew they were adversarial, that they were they were um, ambitious to bust us and that made me comfortable because mm. it made me confident that i'm not gonna in my confusion make any real mistakes like that's what bush that's a profound thing for president to say and it shows the level of confidence that he had which is why he did not like donald trump because he didn't have that it to be made fun of is a place of strength if you're to if you 
I can't take you seriously unless you don't take yourself seriously. If you're a person to be taken seriously, then you can be made fun. If you can't be made fun of, you can't be taken seriously. If you're like, do not make that joke about me. It's like, you're a pussy. (laughs) You have no fucking, you have no confidence in yourself. You need to hear good about you all the time. That is a mental and emotional problem. So Bush didn't have that to me. And I appreciate him for that. He killed mountains of Arabs, just mountains of them. Mm. And other people and who knows what else he did. I don't fucking know. But um, but in- interesting dude. Yeah. Um, and the way he reacted to Obama winning was cool. Yeah. I like the way he handled that. And in the middle of that, you got another connective tissue guy, which is McCain. McCain was a great, great man, I think. Um, yeah, those clips of him when he's debating Obama and someone's like, he's a Muslim. And he's like, he goes, don't no, 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 say you that. You got to stop. <laughs> yeah, 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 he was like, he took the microphone away. She goes, he's an Arab, this lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he goes, no, 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 give me it. He says, listen, I don't agree with the guy about how to run the country, but he's a good man. We're starting with that he's a good man. Yeah. Um, and then there was a lady who yelled out during Sarah Palin's rally. She said, you need gloves to touch him, which is a Holy weird shit. But it's like, what does that mean? Like, he's very delicate or or it's the most racist thing I've yeah, ever heard. Or yeah, but also, <laughs> why do you want to touch him? It's almost yeah. like she's like, I want to touch him. Why do I have to wear gloves? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was crazy. And McCain handled it as best as he could. Um, there's another McCain thing. Fuck. Oh, he had a great story about Obama that he was because he met Obama when Obama was in the Senate. And someone asked McCain, what was your first impression of him? So he said, well, I remember when Obama, his first day, like in the Senate, he came to see me and he said, listen, I, uh, um, I, I think that, you know, you're the smartest guy on the other side and I want to be bipartisan. And he said, what can let's you and I talk and find something that we both care about. Like that was Obama's first idea. And so McCain and him thought for, they talked for about an hour and they came up with something they both cared about. And he's like, let's work on that together. And McCain said, sure. And he was a veteran senator at this point. And Obama goes off and then the Democratic leadership gets to Obama and goes, dude, do not fucking, you don't just fucking do that. The fuck are you doing? Mm. And then he saw McCain in the hall. Obama was like, I, um, I got it. I don't <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just pull the plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the interviewer asked McCain, did you also you have a bad opinion of him? And he goes, not at all. He said, I, it was a rookie mistake. It was a rookie mistake that he thought he could just to do think we could get what something you want. Done. And also the way he handled the getting out of it was rookie. He said, but I knew that he had a good heart. This is how McCain was such a guy who's running against the guy. And he kept praising him. Um, but so Obama, we're almost there. We're so close. It's going to be know. dark. Obama. Um, what do you think, man? You like him? I loved him. I just loved him from the get go. And I could tell that he was a lot of flash on some level. Yeah. But one of the first things I heard about him that impressed me was Biden. Because Biden said he's he just getting to know him. He said, I got to tell you, he's a really surprising bright guy, you know, for a black guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> spoken. It felt, it felt like that a little. But Biden was like, he said, I got in a phone call with him and the, the, there was three of us on the call. And then a Biden and then Obama jumped on. He said, I have four questions for this group. He asked his questions. 
he gave his comments and he got off and I was like, that guy has got a good mind. That guy's got a, you know, I do think Obama had a mind that got around the president. He, he got his brain around. Yeah, him. I think so. And uh, the picture of him leaning down so some kid could touch his head. He That's as important as almost anything yeah. with the president. You ever see Trump put the candy bar on the minion? Put the candy bar on the what? <laughs> There's a Halloween. You know they're doing the Halloween thing? Yeah, yeah. And just a kid in like an inflatable minion costume uh-huh. comes by and he's like, he just puts a candy bar on his head. On his head. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, get out of here. Um, yeah, Obama. Uh, Obama was a great speaker. And he gave I mean, people a feeling about where the country was. And he brought a feeling to the presidency that there was a kindness in it. And he taught, I learned a lot from him in terms of confrontation. And like he debated with McCain and McCain was just kind of like bulldogging him. And Obama knew that you don't win in the room. You don't win because he says you're right. He's never going to say you're right. There's other people watching. Like I've learned from this in my life. Like this guy's going to and Obama would say something and McCain would attack and Obama would just go, all right. And just look at the camera and smile. And people at home are going like, I like what he said better. I don't need him to attack this guy to make the point. I like what I like his the sound he's making better than his sound. Mm. It's not about who wins this. And McCain being like a military guy, you know, this is that was his way. Um, you ever get to meet Obama? I never got to meet Obama, but I was in Washington and I was a big deal at the time. And I thought maybe I could meet the president. And I'm staying at the... Hey Adams, which is across the street. You call him. So I call my no. pu- my publicist. Who I, know, I no longer have <laughs> the one House. of those. I used to have an agent publicist, yeah. and I don't have none of these people anymore. But I call my publicist and said, "Is you think there's any way I could meet the president while I'm in town?" As, as I was on the phone, I saw Marine One taken off, <laughs> and he he was on hold. Then he came back and said that he's. They said he just left, uh, but they said, but they asked and they said that Obama asked to ask you if you would help him help them come up with jokes. For the uh, um, correspondence dinner because it was in a few days, and they're they're meeting to to try to write it, and they asked if you come across the street to the White House and pitch in, and I said of course, so I went into the White House and they gave me a pass, <laughs> and I went down to their little room. This the White House, the rooms that aren't the Oval Office are all shit because they keep packing. Because government never stopped growing, but the White House stays the same size. I mean, that's my idea yeah. of it. But I was in the literally, I had to duck into the room because the ceiling was so low, and it was like his head speechwriter, John Favreau or something. The weird same name as John Favreau. But anyway, so we sat yeah. in his office, and I pitched jokes, and I got one in. He opened with my joke, um, which was because it was his last one. And Trump had won, so it was his swan song. And uh, my joke was, uh, it's an honor to be here for my last correspondence dinner, probably the last correspondence dinner. And it turned out to be true. Trump you were close. wouldn't do him. Yeah, Trump They just did the him. first one. Yes. But anyway, he did that. He opened with my I was joke. hoping you didn't write the one that made Trump the president. No, that was before. Yeah, it was before. Yeah, you remember yeah, that? No, no, I didn't. Yes, yes. That's one of my favorite clips of all time. Oh, I mean, Obama was so good. Is he him was such a destroying good. destroying Trump. And yes, and, make, you just and see Trump's his, just sitting there, I'm going to be fucking president, you, you piece his, of shit. 
It's pretty good. Yes, it is. I do respect those moments, just like Chaney in the movie. Sure. Where they're like, you got to change it. And I was like, I'm going to do it. Yes. It's a cool, like watching Trump sit there with his fucking hair just bobbing while uh-huh. everyone's laughing. Uh-huh. It's like, all right, we'll see. We'll uh-huh. see. Laugh at Trump. See what, see what, <laughs> see what happens, happens when you laugh at Trump. I'm and that's, by the way, psycho. what he was thinking was yeah. literally the words, laugh at Trump. Everybody's laughing at Trump. Don't laugh because he talks about <laughs> yeah, He talks about Trump. <laughs> So Obama, yeah. So Obama wrote me a, a letter saying uh, um, thanks for helping, and I'm, shit. I'm, a, I'm a fan, and maybe we'll meet someday. But I never met him. Yeah. And he went on Mark Maron's podcast, and they talk about politics for like two hours. And at the end, Maron asked him, uh, "Did you enjoy being on the show?" And Obama said, "I thought we were going to talk about comedy." And Maron was like, "Oh, because he talks about politics." Everywhere. Yeah. And he goes, oh, well, who are your favorite comedians? And he says, well, I like Jerry Seinfeld and Dick Gregory. And But my the guy I really love is Louie, because you can tell, even though he's, uh, he says terrible things, that he's a good guy. Something like that. He said something nice about Damn. him. Damn. meant a lot to me, because I just, uh, with no uh, regard for history or morality, I just love Obama. Yeah. I have no idea if he's done good or bad, but as a guy, I just really, you know, I dug him. Yeah. He seems so, he seems like a, I mean he's just an incredible speaker and he was like what a, what a president should be. That's on, right. On, just carrying on appearance, carrying the sure. the the office and yeah. the way he the the way he operated and the way he communicated. Um, and I, you know things started getting really fucked up during Obama in this country. You know people started to get really yeah the banks. I mean that was that was insane. All that shit, but also just like. The word problematic happened under Obama. Like his last four years was when people started getting ultra, ultra sensitive and digging, trying to find, dig down into yeah. where is our moral center to the point where you just, you're just never going to find it because human beings are flawed. And that started, I think Obama left in a strange place because it was like, what were we all doing? I remember seeing famous liberals saying, I'm disappointed in this president. I'm like, yeah, you know, when he was running, they are, you know, Shepard Ferry did the cool poster of him and uh, Wyclef, whoever the fuck, did a song and black and white video. But once he's president, everyone's like, I'm not going to. It's not cool to help the president. Yeah. So they all just vanished. Uh, and he's like, hey, guys, I'm the only yeah. black guy even here. I'm not just the first black president. I'm the only black guy at this level and no one's helping me. I mean, that's how I felt was that he got kind of abandoned and he couldn't find, you know, and and Congress became weird. But I don't know anything about this. Yeah. That's not my expertise. My thing is I just really I I really dug the guy as a person and the way he carried the office. And uh, and he was another example where I was like, you know, that feels like a democracy. And a lot of people would be like, well, you know, then you're deluded, you know, fine. Sure. But I'm 54 and that's how I feel. Yeah. That was the first election that I remembered. It seemed to start to get really polarized. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when he won. Yeah. People I was with were upset. <laughs> yes. That was, and, that, and that wasn't even close to where we got. That was the first time I remember the world being that there were people who hated the president. That was yeah. the first time. I mean, Reagan, my mom was upset. But oh, I yeah we're good. So, Obviously, we're gonna close with the dog. Um, <laughs> so my mom really surprised me twice 
in terms my mom died a couple of years ago but she was like my best friend and my intellectual counterpart she's who i talked to about everything and i remember first of all when john Kerry ran for president i called her up because my i have three sisters and my mom and i basically controlled the household vote so we figured we have we have a blood we're super delegates we have five votes <laughs> yeah so they just because our sisters my sisters would vote for whoever we said my mom was a Republican and a conservative as a kid. And then Jack Kennedy came to speak at her at Michigan where she was in college. And a friend of hers grabbed her and said, you're coming to watch Kennedy. And they sat in the front row with knitting, waiting while the crowd gathered. And then she watched Kennedy speak from this close. And she, that was, she was a Democrat from that day on. But when I called her and said, so we're voting for Kerry, she said, I'm not voting for that guy. I was like, what? And she said, I won't vote for him. I won't vote at all um, because I can't vote for Bush, but I can't vote for that man because my brother was in Vietnam and we were scared every day that he was going to die. And Carrie came home and spoke against the troops. That's how we felt. And she says, I, I know now I look at it differently now and that he was trying to do good, but it, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. He was a rich kid and my brother wasn't. And... Uh, he came, he did one tour, came home and started, um, you know, grandstanding while well, there's boys over there getting killed every day. And she, he was pulling support out from under their feet. Yeah. So I can't do it. And, she, and I'm like, mom, there's more to the story. She's like, I know, but you can't make me You're vote like, for the mom. Guy. You have to mom! vote for John Kerry. You have to vote for John Kerry, who was a <laughs> fucking, I mean, he's still alive. He's so mom. I don't want to say, but geez, he had lipstick. He was and he was like, I report for, he was a mess. Yeah. And then his fucking wife, Teresa Hines, I am Teresa Hines <laughs> and I have something to say. It was like, we're done. We lost. Yeah. Fuck him. And also by the fucking way, <laughs> take that part out. Oh, wow. I'm actually, what? the one part I want out. Okay. About wow, wow. I feel bad because people make mistakes. But. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> When Bush was running against Kerry, a thing that came up that was big was gay marriage. It was starting to be an issue. And I got really angry at John Kerry then because um, Bush had a really sound argument. It wasn't, and pe this is when people started just lobbing names at each other, right? It's anti-gay anti people. It's homophobic to be against gay marriage. Bush made an argument that was practical. He said, listen, marriage is the easiest contract in the whole world. And by the time, by, by the way, during that time, they, were, they weren't talking about national gay marriage. They were talking about the states that had started yeah, to it was legalize. Like Massachusetts. I think California. Yeah. So he said, marriage is the simplest contract in the world. You, it costs $10 most places, and it's ironclad. And it's accepted all over the world as meaning the same thing. Now, if you start messing with that and you start saying, well, it's this means this here means this there, you're really you're you're messing with an institution that is the backbone of the family and this country. That is such a good argument. Now, you can argue against it and people have very well. Yeah. This is nothing to be afraid of. This is about their rights, you, all kinds of things. But the Democrats didn't want to say yeah. this is their right. Why would you, the thing you just said, why would you deprive gay people of it? It's, it, you're living in a fucking 
in a time capsule. This is important. Yeah. It's the same as they said this about interracial marriage. It's a mi- million arguments. But uh, Carrie didn't want to go there. He was like, look, I am. It's a man and a woman to me, but I don't think we. But they're homophobic. They're homo. They don't like gay people. And Cheney's uh, daughter's gay. And I don't have a problem yeah. with Cheney's daughter being gay. They did that. Yeah. Edwards did it. Edwards said, because uh, Cheney and him debated he said, I think it's great that his daughter's gay. I think that's great. What do you think of that? And he expected Cheney to have a bad moment. And Cheney, who's a very complicated guy, said, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I love her. Oh, I mean, they just won right there. So go. go. I don't know how I got back to him. We're at the end of Obama. Obama. Into Trump. Oh, yeah. This is like. Like I was saying, like I remember when Obama beat Bush or Romney, that was the first time I felt like, oh, this was like totally divided. Because towards the end of Bush, everybody hated Bush. Like that was divided. Half the country, you know, yes. really hated him. Like bands were coming out with music against him. Like that's what big. that's that's why. Because I was saying people hated Obama so much. And it's when I started feeling things coming apart because I had that moment about Bush. I was against Bush as president, but I could see his, I could see where he was at. And then the other thing was, it's because of my mom. So when Obama was running, I'm like, we're in for Obama, right? We're doing Obama. And my mom said, I'm not voting for Obama. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? She said, I'm not voting for him because um, he picked Joe Biden as a vice president and um he hillary clinton had nearly beat obama in the primaries and she had done an incredible campaign she her campaign was historic because she was the first woman to run effectively for national office and to get that close it was a big deal she said and she said she won and she also remembers when she was younger that typically the president the guy running for president, his running mate would be the, his rival. You pick your rival because it's your way of saying, I'm not afraid of my rival. I can work with the people who, it's how you unite the party. Mm. It's what Reagan did with Bush. It's what uh, Kennedy did with Johnson. It, Johnson was bitterly hated Kennedy and then Kennedy subjugated him by saying, you're going to run with me. We're going to do this together, buddy. And I'm not afraid of your rivalry because I'm strong, right? And he said he didn't pick Hillary and she earned it. And he gave it to Joe. And she the name Joe drove her crazy. Mm. She didn't care about Biden was fine. She said, Joe, Joe Biden's a regular guy. And I'm a, my mother worked her whole life. She was a single mother. She says, I worked my whole life. And me and women I worked with would earn the spot. And it would be given to Joe. Just some Joe who smiled and knew how to work it. Yeah. And the woman who earned it gets fucked. And the reason I hate him for it is because it means he has no balls. My mother said this. Obama has no balls because he picked a guy. He didn't want to pick her because he's afraid of women. And he's afraid of a strong woman. And she said, I'll never vote for him. I think he was afraid of losing. She did not use the N-word. <laughs> I, think he was, and then, I think he was afraid of losing. So, no, I don't think that that's what happened. But here's what's cool about it. Uh, uh, McCain picked... Palin 
And then my mother said, I'm going to vote for Obama now for the opposite reason, which is McCain picked Palin as a, who's an idiot, a yes. douchebag, a retard, uh, who I personally uh, love now. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. get to that later. But you know what I met her? I, tell you, I met all these. It's crazy how many no. people I met. Um, she said he picked McCain to get the woman's vote. Yeah. And you're not going to get a smart woman's vote by picking somebody like that. So I'm voting for Obama. And then later I checked in with my mom when Obama became president and made Hillary Clinton secretary of state, which is a far yeah. more important position than I called my mom and I said, you got to give that to him that and he didn't run on it. He didn't say to the women of the world, I'm going to give. He didn't tell anybody. He gave her the job because he thought he she had earned that job to actually do. Yeah. Not just the bullshit political position. She said, yes, I'm with you. And she be, ended up loving Obama. But Sarah Palin. Amazing person. Amazing person. I mean, when McCain announced her and she spoke her first national speech and did the joke about, you know, the difference between a bulldog and a hockey mom, lipstick. And the place is going ape shit. Yeah. I was like, this woman's incredible. She was an incredible force in American history to me. And I was on an airplane one day flying home from L.A. And I got drunk on rum and coke. When I drink rum and cokes, it's like being on acid because <laughs> you get a lift from the sugar and the caffeine and rum is a fucking, yeah. it's a mental drink, rum. And I start tweeting. I didn't know what Twitter, I didn't understand what Twitter was. I just loaded it on my phone. I had about 5,000 followers and I wrote something like, I want, um, there's a family of Chinese people living in Sarah Palin's cunt. <laughs> I, that's the only tweet I remember. Yeah. I want to fuck her tits with my father's cock. That's what I said. <laughs> I just started tweeting tweet. about her. Solid tweet. And then <laughs> solid like tweet. a Legion of Skanks fan. <laughs> and <laughs> my Twitter followers. <laughs> it's just going up. By the time the plane landed, I had a quarter of a million followers. I didn't understand what that. I didn't understand what Twitter. They look at it on their phone. Yeah. I thought they go check the website and they look at my name. I didn't understand that people are getting like a phone call and seeing what I said. And then sending it to their friends and it's just exploding. Yeah. And then I get a text from Sarah Silverman who says, I have a friend that works at the White House who says, you should probably stop. You're getting yourself in some. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, pub the, the publicity head of FX wrote me and said, we need you to stop this. I didn't understand that everybody was reading it. I'm like, what? And I'm drunk. Yeah. And I'm like, so what? Anyway, I was hired to host the um congressional correspondence dinner it's the one it's right before the pre presidential one the white house and greta van Z sustern said on cnn i'm boycotting that dinner because that pig louis ck uh said these things about sarah palin also um the woman who testified before congress to say that college students should have their abortions paid for sarah something um, Rush Limbaugh called her a slut. So I'm not, I'm not, we're not going to pay for you to have an abortion because you're a college slut. <laughs> and so everyone, all the Democrats were like, that's terrible that he called her that. But then Bill Maher called Sarah Palin a cunt and gave a million dollars to Obama with a giant check. And then I said uh, that she has Chinese people living in her cunt. I didn't call her a cunt. That's different. Um, and I was going to host the dinner. So I found out, I called my mom. I said, I'm being boycotted. She said, get out. Call call them now and say, you're not doing it. So I got out. Oh, I didn't do it. 
And I dodged the thing and it got weird and ugly. So I run, I'm at SNL, 40th anniversary. And Sarah Palin is there. And I see her. I'm, I'm in the audience, which is all famous people. Like the Rolling Stones, Jack <laughs> yeah, Nicholson. Yeah. All of the SNL that ever was, but also just the most famous people in the world. I was there presenting something, so I was there. And I look up and I just see Sarah Palin looking at me like this. Like just looking at me. And I'm like, Fuck. oh, shit. She knows. <laughs> oh, shit. So I, oh, and earlier than that, there was a documentary made about how much people hated Sarah Palin. And it was a big conspiracy. And that documentary was directed by Steve Bannon. And he, I was in it saying something about her. And uh, my lawyer told me and I said, well, tell him to take it out because they didn't have my permission. So he called Steve Bannon. And Steve Bannon said, well, I want to interview. He wanted to interview me. And I said, no, just leave. You can have the footage, but I don't want yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So Sarah Palin, I'm at the SNL party afterwards. And there's, she's standing right there. And she says, my nephew is a big uh, comedy fan. And he said, I have to say hi to you. And I said, I'm sorry. And she said, what? I said, I apologize. I said, I wrote some really awful things about you on Twitter. I would never apologize to like of course the world, but this woman standing in front of me. Of course, I said, "Listen, I'm not. That's not what I do. Is like attack people, and I don't know if it hurt your feelings, but if it did, I'm really sorry." Yeah, and she said, "Well, that's really something. I really, really appreciate that." She said, "If you ever come to Alaska, come and go ice fishing with me," and I thought I might get to fuck Sarah, <laughs> and so. <laughs> She wrote a book and she put a chapter about me, a little chapter about me. And she described that moment faithfully about how I came up and apologized to her. And she said, of all the things that all of the people said about me, the terrible things that were ever said about me, he's the only man that has ever apologized to me. So that's my Sarah Palin. Yeah. Story. But okay, so Obama and well, then Trump. And then Trump. The Trump, the seminal Trump moment that made him matter to me was the debate with the 16. He had 16 guys, eight on his left and eight on his right. And they were, I mean, Chris Christie, uh, fucking um, Lindsey Graham, fucking Bush. Yeah. Jeb, Jeb Bush. Low energy. I mean, just these guys, but without him on stage, they're all stars. They're all stars. Yeah. Fucking uh, Ted and fucking uh, Rubio, Wisconsin yeah. guy. Kucinich. No, not Kucinich. <laughs> was it Kucinich? Kucinich is an Ohio guy. Yeah, but he was, was a Demo No, he was a Democrat who was like an oh, anti-war Democrat. Oh, shit. No, he was like a super liberal Democrat. No, the, guy. who's Ted, that weird looking? Kasich. 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 Who's the weird dude that was Romney's vice president nominee? Wasn't he a Wisconsin guy? Ryan? Ryan? Oh yeah, Paul Ryan. Yeah, but he wasn't up there. No, he didn't. He he didn't run. Yeah. There. By the way, just to get Romney for one second, because I never liked. I didn't like Romney. Yeah. Because he was a venture capitalist with a what do you call the fund? Those funds. Hedge. Hedge fund. These guys ruined capitalism. Capitalism used capitalism used to be make the best of something or and and make a ton of money or or make the second best and kneecap the guy who makes the best. 
and which is fine. That's how. That's why yeah. we had VHS instead of Beta. Beta was better, but VHS just went after Beta and won. <laughs> that's why we had IBM instead of Apple for a long time. IBM Apple was better, and it's by the way why we have the, uh, records. The 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 grooves go up and down, which is stupid. It, they were better side to side, but that guy that that patent got. It's just bullshit. Romney. Um, Never liked him until the whole fucking Capitol riot thing happened. And then he did that thing where he stood up in the middle of that crazy shit after January 6th, after the riot. And he said, you know, I know all of you are trying to serve your constituents by telling them what they want to hear. But why don't you help them, the people who you work for, by telling them the truth? And the place, it was this raucous applause. And he looked at the applauding people. And it reminded me of the Reagan thing because he looked at them like, why is that getting applause? That's just normal. What has happened to this country? So Romney's an interesting guy to me. Yeah. Because of that. I don't. Yeah. I never really liked him. I don't like him, but that was an interesting moment. That was human to me. And he kept his dog on the roof of the car. It was hilarious. But he did do some. He <laughs> <laughs> would drive with his dog on the roof. <laughs> what? I mean, the dog was in a box. It wasn't like. <laughs> <laughs> He just, uh, he seems like the establishment to me. He is the establishment. And so like, never, never had a show. he always tried to stop Trump. Mm-hmm. So of course, no matter what he did, even if it hated did, Trump. Yeah. But the moment that made Trump matter was when he was in that room and he said, these guys are all crooks. And I'll tell you how I know, because I'm a billionaire, I'm a businessman, and I yeah. give them all money and the Democrats. Yep. And if I call them, they pick up the phone. Yeah. If I call any, and they're all like, you can't yeah. tell me. What are you doing? I was just sitting at home like, what just happened? Yeah. That moment was just like a, you could hear the country go, what yeah. the fuck is going on here? And every time he spoke at those debates and you just saw those guys less and less peeling off. Whoever was closest. Sides, and you saw him turn and you saw him reveal what people were. Over time, also, yeah. I remember Lindsey Graham saying, um, after Trump said some really f- super fucked up thing, I forget which one, Lindsey Graham said, for any of us looking for an off ramp, this is probably the last one. And I thought, wow, Lindsey Graham's got, Lindsey Graham's got it. Lindsey Graham yeah. gets it. And boy, I mean, that guy, what he revealed about Lindsey Graham and how fake he is and how full of shit he is is incredible because he Lindsey Graham announced to the world that this guy is a crook he's abhorrent that he's against everything that he's for and then he defended him and he loved him and he just kissed his every one fucking of those ass every one of those guys they're just so full he was of up there shit. he was up there destroying Chris Christie destroying him he ruined his political career Chris Christie was supposed to be something I that guy I think <laughs> might be president and then I think Chris Christie might be president I think uh Chris Christie has had a journey, same as uh, as uh, um, Nixon did. Nixon was toast. He had to give a speech on TV saying, I'm keeping the dog that I shouldn't. You know, he had to give the, the checker speech, and then he ended up being president twice. Didn't end well. But Chris Christie has had a fucked up life, but he's also had a real, like, his, you know, uh, um, uh, drug addiction in his family. That He gave one speech about drug addiction that was, like, off the cuff. That's, like, his one of his best moments. It was passionate. He's another guy that I met, barely. I was walking in an airport after he'd washed out of the election, and I was in an airport, and there was Chris Christie alone with his big suit, 
and his Hudson News airport bag with like a heavy yeah. drink and snacks a in it. soda. And he was just walking <laughs> and he saw me. And I think the recognition was just like, we're both on, we're both pictures on Twitter. And he just went like this, <laughs> and just went like that. And he just, kept, he just looked sad in the airport. But then I saw him on Bill Maher recently and uh, he took some tough questions and he sounds like he's got some, he did all right. he's got some grit to him. And he's got some complexity and some dimension. And I think he's digging his heels in and thinking about what he believes now. Because there was one, I think it was it was right after him and Trump, obviously, where he Trump killed him. Mm-hmm. And then he's standing on stage with Trump at another rally. And Trump's like, you can go. At, like, he, right. he introduced him and then was standing there. He, and said, he was you like, can, you can you get can off the oh, no. stage. He was being wow. as brutal as Trump was. Yeah. To the people around him, including Giuliani, who used to say, shut the fuck up to Giuliani. He curses at him in front of everybody. Yeah. He shits on all these guys. Now, that is an incredibly fast and powerful engine. To be Trump, you just shoot to the top. But it's unstable. It's like Caligula. It's the yeah. same fucking thing. He's, he's everybody around you hates you a little more each yeah, day. Yeah, it's Jackson. Yes. And also no goals, no real goals for the country, just a win, 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 which can get you to win to a certain degree, but there's a limit to it. I'm just talking, I'm not talking morally. I'm talking about what works. Yeah. And I think that he's, he's come to a critical place. I I don't know if he'll win again. I don't think he's, I don't even think he's going to run. I don't think he'll be president. I think DeSantis is going to run. But, but I don't know anything. No, but when he was running, he was... I'm sitting here like, you know who I think? I've got my eye on. <laughs> the governor of Florida. I don't know a fucking thing. I don't know either. And I, But I do. I think that his win changed everything. His changed win changed everything. everything. And... And maybe for the better. I And some... Uh, everything, maybe. Everything has both sides. Yeah. Every single change that comes to your life has both sides, good and bad. It has pain and, and healing. And... uh if you resist pain, you're you're not going to get the healing. If and if you also, if you try to freeze your the moment of happiness, you're going to miss the sad on the other side, which you need. You need it. Otherwise, you go you go. You're not living in the real world. But the thing I would have said to oh, we was just talking about Trump. The thing about these guys is this is what I think about Christie. Okay, he's got an idea in his head of who he is and what he believes in. That's what I feel when I see him talk now. And that's what these guys are usually missing, the ones who lose. Like, I used to watch American Idol. Love that show. I love any show that's, like, emotional. So yeah. I watch Deal or No Deal. I used to watch that all the time. <laughs> you ever watch show. that show? Yeah, it was great. I was watching Deal or No Deal because I was depressed and I didn't want to change the channel. And I was just staring at it. And I was. it was a Marine who was, during the Iraq War, he was in New York on leave. And they talk to him. He's in. He's got all his medals, and uh, he says, "I'm a little bummed because my family lives in San Diego, and I don't have time. I'm only here for two days. I go ship back out." And so, uh, of course, Howie Mandel goes, "Well, well, they're here, <laughs> and he, we flew them out." And his little girl, like you know, is crying, you know, and he takes yeah. one knee, just like Nixon did in my dream, and he hugs <laughs> his little girl. <laughs> She's crying, and he's crying. It's huge. Yeah. I'm sitting there. I'm starting and my lips trembling. Of course. And then they do the crazy deal or no deal, which is America. Fucking loses Just keep it. Going, <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And there's always this moment where 
They're like, you could you, and the guy's going, oh my God, you could be, this is it. You've got $250,000, but you could get 10 million. And the guy's like, oh, and then he, then he goes one step too far and the lights come on and it's depressing. Back to Iraq, motherfucker. Yes. Well, that's what usually happens. Yeah. But whenever somebody hits, I'm going to take, I'm going to take, everybody's going, don't keep going, keep going. He goes, no, I'm stopping here. Yeah. They always go, oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh, thank yeah, God. Yeah. Thank God. I yeah, they do help myself. Yeah. So this was one of those moments. He had a ridiculous, if you know the game at all, all the little baskets were gone. They were all retired. He had like uh, one for 10 million over here and whatever crazy numbers. Yeah. And then one that was like $5, but eight of them were good. Yeah. And he had something like a quarter of a million on the thing. And there everybody's saying, go, go. And he say, he tells them in his military way, quiet. He says to his little daughter, you understand what's happening here? You understand how likely it is, how, how good the odds are that if I go one more step, I could get more money. I'm not doing that with your future. I'm, and he, and I was sobbing. <laughs> I was such <laughs> a good man. He's such a good man. Um, but I was talking about that because something else just like. <laughs> I've lost my mind at this point. Yeah, this is. This Do you is remember crazy. how I got to deal or no deal? I was talking uh, about Trump, and we were talking about uh, fuck. I had a point. What's his name? Good. Christie's talking. Oh. oh, American Idol. Yes. Whenever they sing a song on American Idol, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> I know. This is crazy. I know. And Simon and them are asking. Them, we like, fast forwarded those fucking first ten presidents, yeah. and now it's just like American Idol. This one time, <laughs> whenever they sing a song, and Simon says you were a little pitchy, whatever. Yeah. The thing I always want them to ask these kids is, do you know what that song's about? Do you know what the song is about that you're fucking singing? You know, like yeah. Clay Aiken. One of his big hits was "Bridge Over Troubled Water." And he sings like, like a bridge yeah. over troubled water. Yeah. You know what that song is about? It's about like when you have nothing, when your life is shit, when, you, when you're down and out, I will lay myself down like a bridge over troubled water. You can, you can count, you can walk on me. Like that's a profound and deep thing. Another yeah. one was a kid who sang... Um, I hear a train coming. The, yeah, Folsom. Yeah, and he's singing it like this. I hear a train coming. <laughs> yeah. Woo! It's coming. He's really, literally between going, woo! It's coming yeah. around the bend. And I've seen sunshine. That song is about a man who murdered somebody <laughs> yeah. just to watch him. I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. <laughs> and the sound of the train, because he can picture the cigars smoking. I bet they're, they're smoking big cigars. It, that it's tor it's it, it tortures him to think of the freedom. He goes, I know I, I got it coming. I know I can't go free, but I hear the whistle blowing and that's what tortures me. And he says, <laughs> if I had all the money in the world and I was a free man, all I would do is move that railroad a little bit further down the line so I wouldn't have to hear the whistle. Like all he mm. asks for is that the train was a little further away, that that good life was further away. And this kid is singing it like it's yeah. race because he just wants to win. He wants to be a winner. He wants to be loved. He wants to connect with the audience. This, to me, that's Trump. 
to me, the great presidents have been guys who are like, I'm when I I got an idea, I know what I'm singing about. I know what I know what I'm about. I know what the for Clinton it was the American people. He said it all the time. I don't think the American people want that. Like he was connect because he was a, a son of a Vegas blackjack dealer. That is a he was an American. Obama, when Obama was president, he was an American. So to me, Trump changed the game in a way a lot of people could have and didn't. But I think it's it's got limited it's got limited legs. And I I never thought I think a huge mistake that the Democrats made was to shit on his on the people who loved him. That's a, a dumb fucking Yeah, they can't stop doing it. Basket of deplorable. They can't stop doing it. I mean, it. it's just the stupidest thing you can do. The thing that progressives do that I've never seen in all of these years we've talked about, never seen a political movement do is assign people to the other side. Yeah. You, what Clinton did, what anybody running for president, uh, Nixon did it. You could see examples of all of them when they talked, like especially when they started doing town halls, which was a great addition to Yeah. They would say, somebody would stand up and say, I, I, um, I don't want to vote for you because I'm a Democrat and because I think you're, you know, whatever. And they go, okay, tell me, what does that mean to you being a Democrat? Yeah. Well, uh, the economy is very important to me and healthcare, and I want people to be taken care of when they're older, sick. And he goes, I, I'm afraid to tell you, but you're a Republican. That's what, yeah. that's what, that's what people do is like, come here. I've got, I've got the same, I'm like you, you're like me more than you understand. Now, and they, they hedge it. They go like, now I'm not, I don't, I don't agree with my opponent's bill sure. for healthcare, but I have the same concern as you do about healthcare. I have the same values you do. We're alike, you should vote for me. But what progressives do is they, you, you actually say to them, I'm a progressive. Yeah. And they go, really? Prove it. Well, I'm for gay marriage. What do you mean gay? What do you mean marriage? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You are a Trump. They like tell yeah. other people that they belong to Trump. They give him. Yeah. They push people away. They push everyone to him. Because the goal is not actually to win and to change the country, which is a ugly, difficult to really change the country is a gray, difficult, boring, bureaucratic, uh, unsatisfying, slow business. And people want to be able to make it happen like this. I can, this, I can just, and they're not trying to make something happen. They're just trying to feel, they're trying to show what yeah. they think and perform what they are and, and just get it. And they're addicted. It's a sickness. I feel sorry for them. I don't hate people like this. It's just that they're sick. They can't stop this thing. This does. If this doesn't bark, they start feeling sick inside. So if it's not barking, they bark at it. So it'll bark back. And that's on both sides. Yeah. That's everybody on the Trump side. That's everybody on the on the progressive side. Yeah. It's sick. But I feel that's I'm to me, I'm skipping over Trump because I think the whole country has been in a fevered nightmare for all the time he was president. And he was the he was the perfect president <laughs> for the time we were living. Yeah. He was all the people that hate Trump that really hate him are exactly like him and they picked him cnn and msnbc refused to talk about any other republicans like i wrote a dumb thing that i never should have written about uh, trump and the point of it was pick a pick a real conservative like i'm not i'm, a, I'm not a conservative generally i am about some yeah. things 
I mean, look, if I go to a smoothie place, I don't pick one of the like cool blue or the berry. I like to make my own. That's the way I am politically. I'm like bananas with some spinach and some, uh, you know, agave. Okay. So that's the way I am politically. But I think it's, I wanted to say, if you're going to pick a conservative, pick a person who's going to really talk about conservative politics. There's a lot of value in that. And then let's have a real debate. Trump wasn't that to me. He was yeah. a psycho weirdo fucking salesman. And he was extremely effective. Yeah. Fascinating. Had his finger on the pulse of the people. Knew how to run a rally. And then would get in his helicopter, by the way, and buzz them because he thought it was funny to watch them run in fear. He's a screwed up dude. Nah, but he did that because it was cool. It he was did like, that because it was cool and the people down there were probably like, yes. No, he Bro, like scaring them. He, here's the thing. With Trump... <laughs> He was, to me, he's just a result of where we were politically. He was a result. He's a result. He's not the cause. And then to watch the way the left kicked and screamed the entire time he was in office, and they got their way. They got their way. And that's what bothers me, because there's a part of me that's always like, look, I'm glad he's gone so we don't have to fucking fight every single day. That was annoying. But then it's like, do I want to reward the side that fucking cried every day when they lost? Do, do, do we want to reward them? With an actual result, which is they got their guy who happens to be dead. Well, I guess <laughs> like, what, what I think I is know. the only way you get out of nightmare moments in history, which happen all the time. Yeah. They come and they go and they come and they go and they come and they go. It's just constant. And every time you think this is all over, like I used to tell my kids and people, you know, around me that were really upset when Trump won. Hey, that's how we felt when Reagan won. And, you know, we got a lot of good after him and even some good out of him. And uh, I, I like when people are afraid of uh, we're afraid of terrorism. I mean, that was all anybody cared about. Yeah. After when, when after 9-11. And I remember telling people, everybody was like, we're all going to get blown up. This is going to be the end. There's going to be another many more 9-11s. And I, that's what we thought about nuclear war. That's what we thought about. So these kind of things do happen cyclically, cyclically. And I think uh, that the only way you get out of them is by giving up on our side, your side. And I, I see yeah. people doing that. I see everybody doing that. I see, I see it in the way you, what you do on stage. I see it in the way when you first, I remember this is the way I tell myself the story. You would go to the comedy cellar and you want to tell some jokes about your dad. And you'd say, my dad is a uh, Fox news guy. And they all go, boo. Cause it's their place. It's New York yeah. city. And they have no shame. Just booing. A yeah. Guy. Just booing my dad. Boo. <laughs> yeah. Boo! This is definitely the right move. Boo! And you would take it with your red Irish half-retarded face, <laughs> and you would just take it and f get angry. But you'd swallow the anger, and you'd continue talking about your dad. And it was hard. And you went, kept going to these. And you're, you're not playing in, you're not being Theo Vaughn playing in the South. You're here in New York City. Nothing against Theo Vaughn, yeah, but course. you're here. And... And then one night you said to them, they booed. You said, my dad's a Trump guy. I mean, he's a the Fox News guy. And they said, boo. And you said, hey, all your dads are Fox News guys. And they went, oh, yeah. And you said, and guess what? You want your dad to be a Fox News guy. And you found this common ground for, with them. And the thing that SNL really fucked up by not having you on there. And by the way, you wouldn't have been able to do what you do on of SNL. Course. But if you could have been you, your version, the thing that you do that's great is that you make fun of Pennsylvania 
Fox News Trump world from because they're your family and you love them and they're part of you and yet you hate them. You want out. You're growing <laughs> up. And so, but you know how you can only make fun uh, of somebody. I'm going, I'm going back. Dude. You can only, <laughs> it's, it's growing on you me. can only make fun of someone yeah. if you love them, if there's love there and you know them. And, you know, Seth, uh, you know, fucking yeah, Myers. Yeah. And a Trump, and a bit, bit, bit. Oh, there's no fun. There's their jokes are crafted, yeah. but there's no, I don't give a and fuck. It's all like it's us versus those. Yes, idiots. that's not fun. It's fun to watch a guy go. This is my dad. Listen, you want to you want to know about. Yeah, you want to know what's really flawed about a Fox News guy. Listen to the stories about my dad, because and unfortunately, you're going to like my dad. Yeah, you're going to like him. And that that mix that being able to like go like ah oh, you fucker but uh, and i yeah. can't get you and i probably disagree about almost everything but i can't get your sound anywhere else i can't get your sound of humanity anywhere else so i think that all this time drove us apart and then we got lonely this is a human story you 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 want to get away from people that you think are hurting you and then you miss them so much and then you come back together and we'll we'll do it again but i do believe and again, I do think that, I mean, Trump could have, he ran for president every, every election. Yeah. People are like, where did this, he, he could have, the country decided it's time for Trump because we lost our minds. Yeah. But he ran, I remember he ran one year and he got a shot. He would, did a town hall, uh, just one-on-one -on -one with uh, some big Chris Matthews. And he said, um, well, what do you think of uh, the Republican national, whatever? And Trump said, they're just retarded. And the, <laughs> Chris Matthews was like. <laughs> and I was like, did he just say retarded? Because they're just so retarded. And nobody took him seriously. Yeah. He ran every four years and it would just be like, stop it. There's an interesting Trump's thing. Trump's giving me the fucking break. With Bannon. But th th this, what, yes? Bannon has a, there's a YouTube video of Bannon doing an interview about, about Trump and like finding Trump and like. He's taking a lot of credit, but the populist movement, which is Jackson, like just being like, there's something here. We can do this. This guy has a. Well, he he failed them, too, by the way. Like he yeah. he, he the thing is, Trump's magic was an absolute perfect narcissism, like a crystal fucking diamond, just perfect. No flaws. Yeah. Narcissism. And at an age where that was. The country, everybody, and people, something was invented under Trump, I feel, which is, or maybe it goes all the way back to everybody who's ever been like a big, crazy leader, is um, uh, narcissism in the collective, that people are obsessed with one person, and they can't hear anything against them, and they don't give a shit what, else, what happens as long as the person wins. That's sort of, he came at a time where people were obsessed with personal attention, with feelings, and they just were in denial about what's yeah what's going to happen next. Again, he was he was a result. Yes, he was a result of social media. He was a result of how America is acting, and like he was also a result of the left being complete fucking dickheads. And it, it was more fun to be like, I want to watch Trump win and watch these fucking people that openly hate me. I want to watch them cry when Hillary loses. I understand the same that. Thing. I understand that. And I, I was, I was, uh, I felt in agony every minute that he was president and I hated it, but I understood. I understand that. I understand why people dug him. I, I look, I didn't I vote for it. him. I didn't vote for him, but the night he won, I was doing an open mic and I was like, this is fun. 
I got to watch all the fucking alt comics literally cry. Listen, when I was, I was in, and I was uh, happy. I was on tour when he won, and yeah. I was in Dallas the night he won, or the night after, the first day of him being president. And I said, "Hey guys, you know all this stuff about problem because everybody was into problematic and writing think yeah. pieces about, you know, this and that." I was like, "So this is what you did? Thank you." Yeah, this is where it got us. This word that was my feeling back then was like, "This is what's happened." Is that there's no conversation going on anymore? Nobody's really defending liberal politics, and there isn't a real conservative running. It's just a, it's just a shit show the, and a piece of shit one. The right can show. just put out a guy that goes, "Aren't they fucking crazy?" and and do well because of how crazy the left is. I think the next thing that would restore the country is um, a fucking normal conservative a normal chris christie yeah. just a normal fucking dude because there's no democrat first of all they're all behind by there's nobody even thinking yeah. there's not but at this point it's 2022 the presidential election is in 2024 and not one democrat is talking about running um so there is it's going to be biden and it can't be it feels it literally can't be I, I think it literally can't be too. So I don't really know what it, we got. Or, and it's such a mess over on the on the on the Democrat side. And but it can't be these it can't be these guys who are just pushing whatever button that day. I'm going to go against the liberals on this because that's what they're mad about today. It's got to be somebody who goes back to just regular. And I don't want a conservative president, but I believe I live in a democracy and that the president should only sometimes reflect my values because. I'm I'm a part of the country. I'm not the whole country. Yeah. So if I lived in a country where I loved the president my whole lifetime, that would be fucked up <laughs> because I only agree with about 38% of the people in the country. Yeah. So that's, to me, the, the what is the test of what a president should be? Is it that he should be compassionate, strong, all these? To me, what he should be is a representative of the people's will. He Remember this thing that I said. He is a president he presides like when they talk about like real intellectuals talk about it and real press guys they say you are president they don't say you're the president they say you're president and obama used to say when it comes to president he didn't say being the he was a president because it's a verb it's present you're presiding like i said it's not it's a simple job trump always talks about leader when you're a leader you're not a leader you're not a ruler you are presiding over a process. You're presiding over a process of equals deciding things together. You're supposed to be just one of the people who was chosen to step up and, and run shit for a while, being told by this group of all that's all we also voted for what to do. That's what the legislators and then these nine people who are looking after making sure that it all that it's supposed to result in the right thing and keeping after the, keeping the tiller in the right direction. Yeah. But it's a it's a humble position. That's why I don't think it belongs to a guy like him. Um, I think it's fascinating that he took it for as long as for those four years and they fucking impeached Stole him it twice. Him. If you impeach somebody and they win, it makes them stronger. Yeah. I mean, Clinton proved that. It's just so fucking stupid. If, but, it, wasn't, uh, if it wasn't for COVID, we'd, he'd, still, he'd still be there. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. He really was running hot, and he, didn't give, a, and he yeah. didn't give a fuck. And that's just a something's going to get you. Same with Nixon. Same with Caligula. Just somebody, something that you left because you didn't care. Same with Putin. I mean, these guys who just like, they create a ball of energy that shoots so high 
but it burns everything around them. And when they need someone, if you stay in politics long enough, you're going to have a moment where if things aren't good and you look to your right and somebody's like, fuck <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And you start to take a dump into the ground. Now, if you get your hold on the mechanisms hard enough, like get rid of. To me, the thing about Trump is that he had no respect for the for democratic process. To me, the thing on the left is they have no respect for liber- for uh, liberty. This America is about democracy and liberty. Okay, it's about that we choose amongst ourselves and that there's a working fair democracy. And it's about you can say what you want, you can believe what you want, you can be who you want, you can have the identity you want, you can be anything you want, and no one and, you, and, and the the great American. Um, ideal is leave people the fuck alone. That's the one they forget. It's not about like, say this, say that. It's about leave folks alone. Let people do what they want. And the left forgot that. They don't give a fuck about freedom of speech anymore. They don't get how stupid it is to shut people up and how quickly that's going to come around and kick you in the ass. Same thing with Trump. If you just wield authority like this, say fuck democracy, no one's going to have your back. Yeah. No one's going to be there to, to make sure you're doing the right thing like the press is supposed to do and doesn't do anymore. Um, so that's, to me, the two sides have fucked up the, those, yeah. two, those two principles. And that the problem is, is both those sides are correct to point the finger at the other side. Yes, that's and why be it's like, a, This is why we're fucked up. That's why we're fucked up. That's and they why just it becomes, won't stop. That's why it becomes a looking glass yeah. because they don't understand each other. And yes, they are right about each other. Yeah, they're right. They're right about each other. The left is right about Trump. Trump's right about the left and all the people that are left, that, you know. And so it's a mess. But the thing I count on is just human spirit, human nature, which is that we got to, we, we, we like each other. I think, uh, and we like to laugh at each other. And, um, and, and everybody knows that they're full of shit. Everybody knows it's the, the thing that's sad about the phone to me. And this is the last thing I'm going to say, cause I'm going, yeah, I'm yeah. losing my mind. Can I say Sorry, the last thing? This. You get on a subway train or on a bus or on a plane and you look at another person and there's that weird eye contact thing. You're like, Ugh. and you look at a person and you kind of hate you're we're, we're reptilian. Like I hell, fuck, fuck that guy. Yeah. He's competition or whatever it is. But you look at a person and you go, he ain't that bad. And then you see him look at you and you see yourself through his eyes and you think, I ain't that great. (laughs) These are these two very important parts. He ain't that bad. I ain't that great. And you get that from eye contact and personal contact and through forced, you just around people that you don't love, around people that you're not, that aren't like you. That's why I've always loved New York City because it always used to feel like that. Uh, but with this thing, you just you don't you don't have to ever have that moment. You're just looking into this and it keeps and it keeps this magical algorithm keeps telling you more and more of what you want to feel. It doesn't give you any. It keeps you from any um, resistance. You know, kids get out of college and they just feel like idiots because they go in the world and every nobody cares what they think. But they start to get stronger every day they meet with resistance. And also they start to hear shit they don't believe in and believe some of it you know what i mean and the world expands but this thing takes you into a smaller world every day smaller and smaller further away from other people and everybody instead of learning and growing everybody's becoming retarded (laughs) that's where trump came from and i don't know what's next i really don't i don't know what they're gonna do that's all i got hell yeah
Please don't post this. Deleted.